everyone, welcome to episode 554 of Conversation Street, spoiler free, Coronation Street podcast, featuring me, Gemma. And me, Michael, hello. We're talking about We're episodes back. broadcast in the UK between the 19th and the 21st of December, episodes 10,825 to 10,828. That's right, it's only two episodes really. It is, we're early this week, Christmas is here everybody and it's the time of year when our recording schedules all get messed up by things like spending time with family and stuff and visiting people so this friday is Gemma's dad's birthday so we're going to be with him on that day and we're having some lovely kfc so we're getting in early with our episode and um i guess it's going to be about this time next week when we do our next recording you know you you've seen what the Corey christmas schedules are all like they're all over the place and um we'll, we'll be kind of getting in here and there while we can. We've got the awards that we need to do as well. Um, maybe we're going to record that next week as well. But you have to, have to wait and see what happens. We're not going to abandon you like all the other podcasts do. No, all the other podcasts, they stop over Christmas, don't they? We don't. We never rest. Never, never, never. never. Ever, ever. Because Coronation Street is always on and it seems like it's going to be on an awful lot over the next couple of weeks. Speaking of the awards, by the way, thank you very much everybody who's voted in the past week. Oh, yeah. Seen some great figures on our voting. We haven't had a look at the results yet, of course. We said we wouldn't but no, we've got that's cheating and, li- and lies yes we've got we've got many people have cast their votes thank you very much you've probably got a few more days left if you haven't done that yet i'm usually go close the polls around uh, christmas kind of time but um yes looking, looking <coughs> like there's a, a, a good number of people um telling us what they thought of coronation street this year now Gemma, before we get started with other things voice and wellness update People want to know, after last week's um, <laughs> atrociously awful podcast when it came to the amount of coughing and graveliness there was in for both of us, you're not feeling so well now, are it's you? It's got worse for me. It's got worse for you, it's got better for me. I mean, I, I, I'm at the stage now where I, I'm coughing so much I'm throwing up. Yes, that's that's a, a, a little snippet into Gemma's life for this past week. Yeah, little and, bit um, of vomit. In our old house, here, here you go. Anybody who doesn't like um, stories about being sick, just stop listening for five minutes. Five, five minutes. Um, in our old house, we used to have the to- the sink was next to the loo, right? So if I ever felt really sick, because I do sometimes feel sick, I could just turn my head and be sick in the sink. But here I can't. So the other day, um, I was sitting on the loo and I, I threw up into my mouth and had to wait. Until I could get home <laughs> to the sink. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody, for that festive story. I'm really sorry. Story. I know. I know that's gross, but I you just need to it. be like me. I haven't been sick for about twenty five years now. You do a big one. <laughs> oh yeah, it's all going backing up. Yeah, no, I'm feeling okay. My voice is still a little bit funny. I've been telling because I've been getting really into on in the last couple of days on my drive to school the um the new sing feature on Apple Music. Are you Music. singing along? I'm singing along. Yeah. Hang on a minute. You're not looking at the lyrics while you're driving. No, 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 I'm not. I'm seeing how well I know lyrics to things. Has anyone else tried this? Apple Music. Mine doesn't seem to Has, do it. Have you updated your phone recently? It's got to be on well, iOS 16.2. It I don't know, mine doesn't that much. But it's cool, it's really clever. It like takes all your songs and takes mm-hmm. the singing off of them. So you've just got instrumental versions of, you know, most of uh, your songs, not all your songs. So see, you can like do karaoke. So I've been singing along in the car <laughs> and I I've, I do like a good sing. This is... I, I, I kind of realised in the past few months that that's something that really, really makes me happy, just like singing. Oh, you <laughs> I love softy. a good, I love a good sing song because I can take my mind off all my other stresses and woes. Oh. Um, and so I've, I, 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 I missed that last week in the car. But yeah, this week I've been turning my lyrics off, belting it out, but not up to full potential. I may be at like 75% at the moment. It's too, it's, it's, 
it's, it's very clever feature, but it has it has kind of taught me that there are lots of songs that I, I usually sing along to that I don't actually know the words <laughs> to very well when they're completely switched off. I it's do like fun. karaoke, but I'm too old for that now. Speaking of singing as well, Gemma, we saw a little bit of singing <laughs> from Faye Brooks, <laughs> ex-Coronation Street actress on Sunday, didn't we? There's went a star-studded cast. We went to a pantomime. Mm. And it was at our local theatre. First time that a curry person has appeared, um, has deigned time. to grace us with their presence here at the Mayflower Theatre in Southampton for, I think the last time was Les Dennis when he was in the Adams Family. He came in, oh, didn't they? And we also saw um, Hayley Tamadon and um, Chicago. That was that was yonks ago. But and yeah, I we... saw the original Nick. You did. You saw Adam Rickett once upon a time, didn't you, on on stage here? Yeah. He was such. No, a this dick. was this was this was Faye Brooks who played everybody's favourite bratty daughter, Kate Connor, um, yeah. playing Goldilocks in Goldilocks and the Three Bears. And if you think, how on earth can they stretch the story of Goldilocks and the Three Bears into a two-hour panto? Didn't. Well, they somehow just about you, managed it. Do you not think the pantos have like pantos seem to me like to be very formulaic now? I'm sure they used to be a bit more individualised but it's like I feel like there's just a big panto software like a, a writing software where you just go what's the story and, and there's about I don't know in the whole play there are probably about five lines related to the story and the rest of it was just like Here's the evil guy from Boo. It's Jason Donovan. Oh yeah, Jason Donovan. Jason was Donovan. It. Are we that we? But that's probably the lead for most people. But we were there for Faye Brooks. We were there for Faye Brooks. So it's yeah. like um, I think you're right about the scripts. It's not going to be too long before we got our first AI written pantos. Yeah, the formula goes, and this is the same for almost every panto I've seen at the Mayflower recently. Um, everybody sing a song about we're all happy together. Then the villain comes out and do, and does Stage a song left. about how evil they are. And then the the goodies come back and then they go, oh, let me know if the villain comes and or let me know if this happens and you've got to shout at me and then we all go, okay, yeah, we will. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> then they then they prance about a bit. Then there's always the, the bit where they they have a medley of pop songs. Yeah. There's always, there's always the comic re- relief. Yeah, there's the Buttons character, isn't and, there? And um, recently they started doing something I don't really like where they have... Um, variety performance acts like we had skaters and a man who balanced on things and that was <laughs> a bit silly and then and then you have the the bit where they all have to remember a bit of a song and they pretend to get it wrong mm. and they act like everything's going wrong but it's we've, we've definitely seen the 12 days of christmas performed at a good few pantos in the last few years it feels like i mean it's and still then, relatively and, hang on. Oh, and, then, on. and then and then they have a bit more plot mm. and then the villain almost wins and then they it's all... usually some kind of wedding or celebration or party at the end, doesn't it? And then they? they get rid of the villain and then they sing the song that they sang at the beginning again and then they all go home. I, I, it's still relatively fresh for me because I think we've... I personally have only got more into pantos in the last, like, three or four years. We, yeah. I went years without seeing any and then once we saw Conor McIntyre and Les Dennis doing um, Cinderella a couple of years ago, we've not been to see one every year, but, yeah, it's starting to wear thin a little bit. But, I don't um, mind it. I don't. That wasn't a criticism at all. No, it was. It was. It was kind of fun. It was just fun stuff. Hilarious to me that they even bother having 
Like, oh, this year we're doing Goldilocks and Three Bears, or we can't do Sleeping Beauty because we did that in 2015. Like, nobody notices what the bloody story is. I don't know, you, there's no way you would watch that and understand what the story of Goldilocks and the Three Bears were. No, it, it, it like had about, a, yeah, like you said, a three-minute scene somewhere in the middle where they had some porridge and sat on some chairs and slept in some I don't beds. even remember what happened there. No, they just had to shoehorn that in. Mostly it was about a circus. How was Faye Brooks, though, Gemma? We also That's had Sooty and Sweep. Oh, yes. I mean, they're kind of Coronation Street because um, Sooty and Sweet was a Granada production back in the day. Oh, well, it's all been licensed. Faye Brooks was great. She good, did good singing. She, I don't think she had a very powerful voice, but it was certainly in tune. It was cool seeing her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was good. She, she had a blonde wig on. She didn't have a whole lot to do. No, she? she was just... She was the, the generic heroine, unfortunately. They were, the story she didn't wasn't, have much of a personality. The story actually wasn't anything to do with Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It was about a circus. Yeah. So they so the circus people came along and they did, oh, we're in the show, we love being in the show, Jason Donovan, he doesn't like us. Jason Donovan comes out and goes, yeah, I hate you. And then they basically put a show on. I was disappointed I by the ratio of neighbours to Coronation Street references in there the panto, like, to be honest. One reference Coronation, Coronation Street got Street. one shout out in this, and it was just somewhere where the circus is going bust and Faye's, uh, sorry, Goldilocks, sorry, is crying and saying, oh, we've run out of money, we're never going to have any money. And then somebody, like the, the dame comes in and says, oh, you can tell she was on Coronation Street. I didn't get and the And that joke. was literally, no, because everyone was moaning about not having money on Coronation Street. Was that the know. joke or was, they, or was she saying... Look how tragic she is. Or was she saying, oh, she's a soap actor, so she don't have any money? Because I was thinking, ah... Uh... <laughs> I don't think it was that. Don't think but, so. Yeah, compared to that, they were dropping Neighbours and Kylie and Jason Donovan references Nobody all came. over the place. Nobody came to see Faye Brooks apart from I us. I did. I bloody did. Yeah, everyone was there to see Jason Donovan. Well, I, I, I'm he glad to be able to see Faye. We didn't go around the back to say hello to her afterwards or anything because no, we weren't that big people. Kate Connor fans. And um, they were. They, we didn't want to be nerds in front of them. We didn't no. want to like, ruin our street cred because everyone thinks we're really cool. <laughs> But it was it was a fun evening, wasn't it? Also, it was it? very cold. It was cold. It was fun. Um, and that was it. That was our Sunday night. So that that's what we've been up to. Um, you've been, meanwhile, been having your, having your deadline on your work this week, haven't you? I'm on my Christmas holidays, which of course <laughs> means I've spent the last few days in school doing planning. But I did offer today to do a Christmas quiz for you. Oh, you did, didn't because you? Because I knew that Gemma was working her little socks off. I only just finished working. I've I've literally worked all day, and I stopped to make Michael's dinner. Cause yeah, very nice. Had a nice nice curry tonight. Um, and I stopped to watch Coronation Street, and then that's it. Now it's nearly now it's ten podcast o'clock. recording time. But yeah, so you can just sit back and enjoy the lovely Christmassy quiz. That Are I've they got easy questions? If you ask me a question, I don't like. I will criticize you like you do to me. No, I think I think they're kind of fair questions. Trees of the turkey. I've rather than making it about this week in the past, Peter I've made Nick. it especially Christmassy. This is my twelve questions of Christmas oh, for nice. you. Yeah. Gail. Uh, no, just let me get started. Okay. Um, and I've, I've got and shut up. Oh my gosh, I don't do this to you ever. 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 I've got it chronological, Gemma. So we're going from sixties up to modern times. Cinderella. Are you are Go you ready? Are you ready? I've These are all, all things the questions. about some things that happened on Christmas Day oh. in Weatherfield Pass. And actually, some of the answers, or at least one of the answers that you called out, is actually the answer to one of the 12. questions. Right. Question That's number. How many times shut up. Oh, question number one. Ready? Yeah. In 1963, 
which Coronation Street resident was the surprise recipient of a This Is Your Life, organised by Dennis Tanner? Uh, this is where I go. 19, 1963, uh, This Is Your Life. Yes. Coronation Street. It's about Coronation Street, right? Tell me who your character is. Is it Annie Walker? It is Annie Walker. Ding, correct. Well done, first one. Yep. That was the episode where everyone was like, having a weird whispering at the beginning about, oh, who's it going to be? Who's they're all sitting, be? yeah. They're all sitting in the, the mission hall, weren't mm. they? Also featured the comeback of Esther Hayes. Loved her. Um, Okay, next up, number two. In 1967, the Rovers had a Christmas Day tug-of-war match against the Flying Horse, but which team won? Um, uh, Flying Horse. They did, yes. Congratulations. I'm gripping my thumb really tight with my hand. I'm, like, really tense out there. (coughs) I know, I know. I should have some proper, like, millionaire quiz music or something. Right, number three. Yeah. Hilda Ogden's final appearance on Coronation Street was on Christmas Day in which Oh, that's evil. I thought, I, yeah. Um, everybody uh, knows this. I really, course. honestly, have. I, I don't even know. I can't even. I don't even know the decade. Yes, you do know. That. I actually don't. Okay. Why do you think I know that? Because you've been doing a Coronation Street podcast for the last ten and a half years. Um. Oh, when did she leave? Don't try and catch me. Was up. it in I, the nineties? I'm not telling you. Uh, <laughs> 1988. <laughs> oh, 1987. Oh. So close. Bad luck. Um, right, number four. Which curry <laughs> mum gave birth to a baby boy on Christmas Day 1990? Um, Gail Platt. Yes, and that was the answer you said earlier. Well done. Yeah. The boy was? David, David Platt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number five. For Christmas Day 1994, Curly Watts had a star renamed. Mm. But what was its new name? Mrs. Raquel Watts. Yes, congratulations. Well done. I didn't know whether you get the misses in there. I was going to let you have it if you didn't. No. Right. Um, number six. On Christmas <laughs> Day. How are you doing as well, listeners? On Christmas Day, 1996, Martin Platt rescued a neighbour from an attempted suicide attempt in the garage. Hang on. So again, I was thinking about how good I am at this quiz. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> in 1996, Christmas Day, okay. Martin Platt rescues someone. They're trying to gas themselves in the car in oh. the garage. We've seen it. 1996. Who was it? He was having a bit of a, a rubbish crisis. time in 1996. Oh, I don't know at all. And had access to the garage. Kevin found them. No, Martin found them. It was them. Kevin? No. Oh, I don't know. It was then. Don Brennan. Oh, mm. Don. Don, don, don. Number seven. In Christmas Day 1998, Judy Mallet gives birth to twins. What are they called? Oh, no. I don't know the answer. Oh, don't you? I really don't know. know Holly and Noel. Billy and Becky. William and Rebecca. Stupid name. Come on, Gemma. Pull it back. You've got two zeros. (laughs) Which Lothario? (laughs) Yeah. Can you answer this question before I even finish Um, the sentence off? I won't count this as your answer. Um, It's a Christmas day. Hang on. No, I can't remember his name. How do I say his name? You do. Okay, you don't know who we're talking about. Which Lothario did Deirdre share a bed with? Devindra Allahan. That's how you say it. Number nine. Which character made a surprise appearance at the Platts Christmas dinner in 2006? Maureen. Yes. Lipman. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Maureen Webster. Holdsworth. Um, Ten. You've got three left, Gemma. You're doing well. Only three wrong so far. 
Um, who ends up getting punched to the ground by Kevin on Christmas Day 2007 um, after he's discovered to have been having a secret affair with Rosie. John State. Yes, John State, the State Meister, you are right. Come on, Chama. Yeah. Number 11, which character <laughs> makes a return to the street on Christmas Day 2016 after 13 years away from oh. Weatherfield? You better get this one. Oh, God. And is first seen sharing a bed with Peter Barlow. Toya Battersby. Toya Battersby, thank you. You'd have been in trouble if you hadn't got that one, I tell you. And number 12, which event did Billy (laughs) surprisingly survive on Christmas Day 2019? Eating turkey. No, getting pushed off a cliff. He didn't get pushed off a cliff, he just fell. But I'll give it you anyway because it's Christmas and I'm being generous. That's good, you got nine out of 12, three quarters of them right down. You know, the thing is, I don't know the answers to the ones I don't know the answers to. I'll just go back over them again. Hilda Ogden left in... 1987. Correct. Um... Martin Platt attempted, uh, no, saved who? John Brennan. Yep. And finally, Gigi Mallet. Billy and Becky. There we go. Now you know them all. 12 out of 12. Congratulations. Hooray! It's a Christmas Christmas miracle. Christmas kiss on the podcast there. Right, and I've got some birthdays for you. Thank you. You I'm not doing it every week. I'm not bloody doing it every week. I do everything else with this podcast. You are the quiz mistress. I do everything. (laughs) Birthdays coming up in the next week or so. We have got Bernard Ewins, (coughs) who played Stan Ogden. Um, He is going to be turning 108 in the 28th of December. He is dead. 29th of December, Kate Ford's birthday. Current Tracy Barlow. Also, Ian DeCastecker. He was the first Adam Barlow, 29th as well. And on the 30th, kind of Coronation Street birthday here. Absolutely made his name in Coronation Street. Davy Jones, who played Colin Lomax. You also may know him from being in Monkeys. He was in an episode of Corrie, one episode in March 1961 there, so it still counts. And everyone knows the Monkeys were better than the Beatles. Happy birthday to all those people who are alive there. Anything when else? When I was little, you what? know how when we were kids, the major thing was All Saints versus the Spice Girls. Yes, I do. And Blur versus Oasis. Yes. Right? When I was little, I genuinely in my mind thought that it was the Monkeys versus the Beatles. Was it not? I got the idea. And I was like, well, clearly the Monkeys are better because they've got their own show. Because I didn't know that. I didn't know the Beatles had movies. Oh. I would have had a different opinion. I didn't really think about the Beatles or the Monkeys. Oh, when I love I was the Monkeys. The I used to watch the show, the the TV show. Did you really? Had... Yes. That's hilarious. That's, yeah, it was. It was a comedy. <laughs> I've never seen an episode of the Monkeys. I used to watch some very weird. Probably things. only could name one or two of their songs. Don't ask hey, me. Hey, hey, with the Monkeys was my favourite. Right, <laughs> time for street talk. I don't even know what it's about right now. <laughs> Monkeys. Monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> So it's street talk. It's street talk time. Gemma. Yes. We've got two episodes to talk about. Six storylines. Mostly just two big ones there and a couple of extra bits. Um, so we are going to... I've got a new storyline title for this week. Um, and, and I revealed this to you the other day and you didn't. You weren't impressed. Yeah, but it. I think it's pretty... Say it again. Jacob's Dadder. Oh, like Ladder, like yeah. Jacob's... We are watching Jacob's Dadda Dadda. We are watching Jacob's Dadda Dadda. We are watching Jacob's Dadda. Hang on, what are you doing? Jacob's Dadda. It's the song. What song? Jacob's Ladder. What song? What Jacob's Ladder? I thought it was a movie, a horror movie. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hymn. Oh. <laughs> it's a horror movie, It's a biblical it? reference, but I don't think either Jacob or Damon know anything about that. Anyway, this is a horror movie. Well, it's also where it was a. Where's Jacob's Ladder then? What's that? In it's the a Bible? thing in the Bible. Go and ask Billy. 
Right, so okay. we're going to talk about that character, um, that storyline first. <laughs> I was like, did you really not realise that as a biblical reference? I don't think so. Shame on I was me. thinking to myself, what? I thought, what, this, ho- this horror movie had a little song in it? <laughs> okay, I guess music. it's kind of scary. <laughs> little children are singing it. Speaking of scary, we've got the Max Dreamism storyline next, where they got on their scary racist camping trip. And they didn't know girls allowed, and I couldn't come. No. Nope. And I had my cauldron, and they're, they're honestly, their pot was rubbish, and they had a stupid upturned basket for their... Great. Save your amateurs. criticism for later, Gemma. Up next, we've got Rubbish. the Lumps of Daisy story where we get to find out what's up with Daisy. Spoiler alert, she's, she's fine. fine. <laughs> next up, <laughs> and here's a storyline that Gemma and many other people online have seen have now predicted the um, oh, yeah. the punchline to. A couch for a grouch is the storyline because George's attempt at a Christmas present for this year is a present for Eileen, which is a sofa. Gemma thinks she knows what's going to happen. I think she's probably right. Um, we had a little bit of a tying off of the Summer Done a Runner storyline. Oh, I think that's something not going on quite right there. And the Tie the Knot story made an appearance today as well. So um, I will take the Jacob's Dadder storyline if it's okay with you. I hated this. Why did you hate it? No. I thought it doesn't make any sense. Let's find... There were bits of it that could have made more sense. But Go it's on. a new character to add to the mix, which is always fun. You tell so, me what happened. Jacob, as we know is the world's best salesman. Yeah. Carla, as we know, knows nothing about selling knickers nope. and she needs the help of a teenage boy to help her meet um, up with some American bloke online later. So he's dead chuffed about this. What would they do without him? So that's, by the by, that kind of happens. So <laughs> then he goes outside and you remember this mysterious stranger? <laughs> Remember the mysterious stranger that came up to Jason last week? I call him Jason, he's Jacob, but did you see how this guy is calling him J Boy? That is Jason Grimshaw's nickname. Wrong. Take him in vain. Yeah, Yeah, so this guy comes up to him from last week and he's like, Hello, you. And Jacob is, I want to meet up with you later. And Jacob is clearly terrified of this bloke. Uh, Amy comes up next to Jacob and, and the bloke says, hello, I am Damon. I am Jacob's dad. And Jacob says, no way, you're not my dad anymore, man. And he kind of makes a hasty exit into the factory and Amy's like, oh, you had nothing to do with him for these years. Oh, go away. And said, so she goes into the factory as well. You may be my well. father, but you'll never be my dad. Yeah, something like that. So Amy follows Jacob into the factory and he kind of gives her a bit of a backstory dump. It wasn't much Can of I a just dump, say, really. This storyline just made... Carla looked like an absolute mug. Come Amy, back to and tell Amy me that later. Amy comes into the factory and Carla's like, get out. And she's like, no, I'm talking to my boyfriend. And she's like, hello, woman who doesn't work here. Like, I thought that it was a free... Get out. The thoroughfare to the, um, to the bins out the back. I need to dispose of a body, says Amy. <laughs> she, so what we find out from Jacob is that he used to think that his dad was the coolest bloke on earth. He, but then... He would, because he would, he was like a not, he was a fair weather father. He'd turn up every now and then with a load of presents for him, flashing the cash. He's a bit of a wide boy, isn't he, this guy? Yeah. Uh, and then time between appearances gradually increased. And the last time Jacob says he saw him was on his 16th birthday, was which week? was four years ago. Now we have got an age for Jacob. I don't know if he had that before, but apparently we do. Anyway, Jacob says he didn't want anything to do with him anymore because he abandoned him as a child. And he's also terrified of him because he's dodgy or something. And Amy says, look, you should talk to him. And if you don't, you'll regret it. 
Jamie goes to see his... Jacob. I'm getting his name wrong. I've called him Jacob, Jason and Jamie <laughs> all in the course of five minutes. <laughs> Who do you think you are? Is this strange dad? the one with the ladder. He goes to see his dad in the hotel because, yeah, Damon tells him earlier, I'm staying at the only hotel in Weatherfield and I'm going to be in the bar there later on, so why don't you come and join me? And Jacob is persuaded by Amy that maybe this wouldn't be such a bad idea. And he goes up to him and says... Oh, you, I don't want anything to do with you. I've had a really rough past few years, actually. Selling drugs for Harvey and all that. He's been looking after me. And he nearly killed me. He broke both my legs once. And Damon is livid by this. He goes, <clears throat> Revelation. My brother laid his hands on you. My child. That's right, everybody. They're related. This guy, Damon, is Harvey's Brother, brother, which means that Jacob is Harvey's nephew. Wow. Wow. Does that mean that Sharon's is aunt? Sharon is his great aunt. The Gaskell Bentley family tree is suddenly swollen this so week. So what's Jacob's surname? Hey. Jacob, so Gaskell Bentley Hay. Yeah. So the family tree goes, you got Sharon and she had her brother Wayne. Yes. And then Wayne's son was Harvey and possibly... Damon, I don't know whether they're the same, they're brothers from the same mother, but they do have different surnames, so possibly they're half-brothers. Maybe one of them took his wife's name when they got married. Maybe, I don't know. But anyway, that's so they're all related, they're all family, isn't that lovely, everybody? Oh, it's really nice, actually. Mm. And it makes me think, feel um, more warm towards them, because everybody likes a family business. Yeah. Like, pharmaceutical families are very big in America, aren't they? So what's... What's the problem with this? So they're, they're the new crime family of Weatherfield anyway, aren't they? What's the, what's the big crime family we have here? Um, uh, craze. The craze, yes. Yeah. So the Weatherfield craze now. So um, the craze and the haze, see, it rhymes, doesn't it? Yeah, makes craze. sense now. Yeah. Anyway, um, Jacob says, look, I, I don't want anything to do don't with you. Don't tell everybody about Don't tell everyone past. we're related, please. Um, I'm, 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 I need to go anyway because I got a text from work, sorry. Um, don't, don't tell everyone Harvey's my uncle because I'll lose my job at the yes. Nicker factory. So, Jacob goes back to work, leaving Damon there in the bar of Chariot Square, and he rings someone up and he's like, it's me, I need a favour. He doesn't sound anything like that. Why not? Just let's go with that. Generic it's gangster Christmas. voice. So, Jacob goes, he says he's going back to work, but he actually just goes and dosses around at the Christmas market for a little bit with Amy. and um, Lazy ass. Well, da Damon has invited him and her out to lunch at... The, the the other place owned by Debbie. Oh, no, no, it's not Debbie's anymore. What's no. Debbie doing these days? Where's Debbie gone? I'm getting worried for her. Never mind Summer. Where's Debbie gone Jacob to? invites them. Um, I mean, yeah. Damon invites Damon them says, let's have rich. lunch. Let's have lunch at the Bistro, everybody. Never and Amy like. loves this because it's a mega treat because they never go to the Bistro at any no. other time. Um, and so they're going to go along to that. But then we cut to the prison. Hmm. And... Uh, they, recycle so there's footage. some stock footage of Harvey because Will Meller's too busy almost winning Strictly Come Dancing when this was filmed. There was about it was about a half a second of him I just kind of sitting there la, in the la, cell, la. wasn't there? They certainly didn't get Will Meller in just for that. And um, yeah, some heavy slash goon comes up to the guard outside of Harvey's cell and says, "Do, do one, one, do one." Ooh. And the guard's like, "Bloody hell, calm down, I'm out of here." You tell me to do one. Yeah, and the guy says, oh, Damon Hale, make it worth your while. So this guy is obviously in Damon's pocket. Goon goes in the cell with a very menacing-looking relay bat on, it seemed to be. And he's like, hello, Harvey. And then Harvey goes, ow, 
Oh. We don't get to hear what happens next because okay. we have yeah. to use it to our imagination. So once again, there's potentially a quite exciting action scene and potential Lecky Thump candidate for next year as well. We just had to do it in our brains. <laughs> I didn't need to see but, yeah, that. Jacob, uh, no, so Harvey gets beaten up and then there's obviously nothing else going on in Weatherfield at the moment because within the hour it's made its way onto the Weatherfield recorder's online page. Yeah, but to somehow. be fair, normally on the front page of the... Of the recorder is just a picture of Maria photoshopped as the Grinch going, <laughs> I don't like Christmas. The Gazette. I don't know how the Gazette found out about this. Do the prison like to advertise when their inmates get beaten up because they've got a bent guard in there? Well, probably somebody bored just phoned up the cops and um, phoned up the, the the paper and told them. That's what normally happens. Or somebody tweeted about it. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, so um, Jacob and Amy and, and Damon are, um, are, are meeting up outside the bistro and um he they the the, the teens go in first because damon's getting a phone call from guy on the inside and he's like oh yeah the job's been done fantastic harvey's been taught a lesson so lunch is in full swing later amy is very much charmed by david uh, i'm getting his bloody name wrong today damon's um, tales of his life in Ibiza and Jacob's like, no, I'm not having any of it. I, I don't want you to be my dad, actually. You were a mega neglectful father. I never saw you. You drove me to taking drugs, to selling drugs and all. Did Jacob take drugs or did you just sell them? I don't remember, but drugs-wise, I'm putting that down to you, Dad. Um, anyway, I need to go to the loo. So Jacob pops off to the bar. Go for a slush. And very handily, as he's walking past the bar, he hears Leanne talking to Nick about this news article that she's just read online about Harvey being beaten up in prison. And Jacob's like, crikey, I wonder if my dad had anything to do with that. Leanne, less leaning, more cleaning. Yeah. So Leanne and Nick are talking about Harvey later, and Leanne seems pretty pleased that he's got a taste of his own medicine <laughs> she's so inside. Oh, she properly is. She's like, you, isn't she? They both agree that hopefully he'll be taken to the other side of the country. Now, what? Well, Leanne kind of thinks that. They both kind of think it could happen to him, that he's going to be moved to another prison. Nick's obviously a little bit worried about this because this is his cash source that's potentially disappearing now because um, you can't transfer money from the other side of the country. I don't really know. Anyway, Jacob's asking Damon later um, back at the table whether this was down to you, Harvey's beating, and Damon's like, I don't know nothing about it. Me old brother getting beaten out. Why would I do that? Nope, definitely want me. No way. So Jacob and Amy are somewhat appeased by this. They head off home, leaving Damon and Nick in the bistro. Damon needs to pay. And he kind of, he kind of goes up to Nick and he's like, so, <clears throat> me and you need to have a bit of a chat later because we've got some business that we need to attend to. And Nick's Nick does his screwed up face. Oh, what are you talking? Um, uh, who are you going? Uh, what? Um, have, have we met? Oh, uh, I, I did have brain damage. Maybe I've forgotten you. I don't know. And Damon says, "All will become clear, mate." So back at home later, Jamie and Amy talk about Damon. Jamie and Amy. Jacob and Amy talk about Damon. It's the look, Amy, Damon, Jacob, Amy, 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 Amy. He really hopes that Jake Damon is being genuine and all this, but he's not. He's well dodgy. He's evil. Because he's inside Nick's office later with um, Mr. Tilsley himself. And he's like, right, that money that Harvey loaned you is actually my money. So you're working for me kind of now. And I didn't say that Harvey said you could have it. But it's no sweat because, um, yeah, it looks like you're doing all right with this place. So who knows, he says, maybe I might even be able to help you out. And Nick's like, no, I don't need your help. Thanks very much. And Damon says... Well, we'll see about that, won't we? 
Dun, dun, so, dun. episode right. ends with Damon's feet right under the table at Bistro. Four quick questions, yes. right? My question is, <clears throat> when Harvey offered to give Nick this money, was he, did he have a grand scheme in mind? Or is it just... It doesn't make any sense to me why his he little heartstrings were tugged it, by it wasn't Sam's he tails. He was clearly up to something, and, and whatever plot line that is is just gone now, because Damon's turned up. Well, was it because yeah. was it because Will Mallard got a job on Strictly and he's like, ah, oh, can't I'm not coming back in. Rewrite it. No, I don't know. Um, Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah, Obviously, yeah. I, I can't... It doesn't you, make any logical sense to baddies me. Baddies don't just loan goodies yes. money for the sake of it. I mean, it's obviously something you just boring blackmail, but it, it, it feels like there's a missing story element. Yeah, well, I don't know whether we're going to see any more we're of Harvey again. We're not going to see him if, again. Well, we might do. I no, mean, they, they're suggesting that he's been shipped to the other end of the country, but um, I suppose that he was always only <clears throat> so much of a threat to Nick being behind bars, and yeah. now suddenly it's pretty much it. exactly the same I'm threat just... with a character that's walking free, so... Find it, find it. I just find it weird, because I was, in, I was actually really intrigued, to be honest, about what is he up to, what's he going to do, mm. yada yada, and then it turns out he wasn't up to anything. Well, now we get to wonder what Damon's up to, don't we? So, um, stage one of his plan goes into action on Wednesday, which is Operation Get Jacob a Job at the Bistro. This is stupid. <laughs> he found, you were being a right grunt watching I was. Coronation I wasn't Street actually, tonight. You said I was being grumpy, but I wasn't. I was having a great time. You were enjoying Chris. I yeah. didn't mind it too much this week. I've seen lots of people like really, really, really enjoyed this week's Coronation Street. I thought it was fine. This whole Wednesday, this whole plot strand of Wednesday, on Wednesday should have just been... Let, let me tell people about it in case they've forgotten what happened or they haven't watched it yet. So Damon shows up at the bistro and Nick um, says, here is Leanne, my, my partner. And She's Damon... really nice, you know, usually. <laughs> Don't let her sour-faced attitude put you off. <laughs> Damon <laughs> makes out that he's an old friend of Nick's and, um, and she's like, oh, I've never heard of you. Even though that I've known Nick since he was 16. Yeah, we've literally. We've <laughs> known each other all our lives, but I've never heard of you. Um, but she's not pleased when Damon reveals that Nick's been telling him about their money troubles. And um, and Damon's like, yeah, don't worry about it. I'm mega loaded. I've got some very lucrative businesses going over on Ibiza, so I can lend you some money at mates rates if you like. And Leanne's like, I, I'm not really sure about this. I don't even know who this guy is. She kind of tells Nick later. And, um, and Nick says... Oh yeah, and also I probably better um, uh, tell you now because I don't want this coming out in weeks' time. He's actually Jacob's dad. Yeah, sorry about Didn't that. Did he tell you that? He does. He tells her that she's oh, yeah. that he's Jacob's dad, and um, and he says, well, just because he's related to Jacob, don't don't make him dodgy or anything. And um, it looks like Jacob's turned a bit of a corner, to be honest. And she's like, fine, fine, fine. Not happy about Jacob. Don't like him after everything he put our family through um, the other year, but. You do what you want with this Damon guy, but if this goes pear-shaped, it's on you, mister. Later on, um, Carla catches Jacob again because she wants more late-night business chats well, with Mr. America later. Another, another little <laughs> business meeting later on. He's like, yes, please, I need um, all the overtime work I can get. Thank you very much. Damon and Nick meet up for a chat in the pub again as well later. Nick's getting a little bit worried about Leanne smelling a rat over this whole you, 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 I've got your money and you got me over a barrel here. So Damon says, look, first thing I want you to do, please, is give Jacob a job at the bistro here. And Nick's like, hang on, he's already got a job at the factory. And he's like, nope, I'm sure you'll be able to talk Leanne round. Um, he's my son, sort it. 
So there we go. Jacob comes into the pub later, goes up to his dad, and he's like, Nick's just said that I could have a job at the Bistro. What's going on? I don't want a job at the Bistro. Where's that come from? What's going on? And Damon says, well, son, I've invested a bit of money in the place and I need you there to keep an eye on things. Hmm. Okay, so Jacob then has to go and tell Carter, can't do this sales call later because I've got a job at the Bistro and I need to be showing all the ropes and where the glasses and stuff are and, and, and where, where all the olives the, are kept. That was the most hilarious thing where Nick was just going... I mean, I don't know if you're blind or not, but here's the alcohol. You're standing next to it. Here are the glasses. You're standing next to them. You've got some like, kind of initiation. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Jacob's not done bar work before. What is he doing there? I know he's been in the customer service industry for Harvey, but it's different, different kind of drug he'll be giving out at the Bistro. Legal. In higher class. Um, so anyway, Carla's not happy. Um... Simon says that he'll join in and help out or something, I don't know. But anyway, Simon's kind of confused about this because I think last week when he was looking for jobs, he didn't he ask Nick and Leanne whether he could work for them in the bistro and they said, sorry, we yeah. ain't got any jobs going on. Yeah. So he's like, how come they've taken on Jacob when they hate his guts? They must really, really despise me, he was probably thinking. <laughs> Which is sad because actually I've really enjoyed Simon this past few weeks. When he's not there just trying to be threatening and grimacing, when he's just kind of nice, I quite... I quite like him. Are you finding him? I thought it was quite funny. Um, I, I love, I loved it. Are you enjoying Simon in his new, slightly more cheerful persona? No, he's not. What do you mean? He's moaning again. He's not. He's fairly happy. I think that they've he's, done a good job with him at the moment. He's going to be moaning. He's going to be moaning. No, he's been all right so far. So no, Carla sees Leanne in the shop later and 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 says, "Oh, what are you doing poaching my best stuff?" And Leanne's like, "What do you mean? I'm." I'm so Carla says, well, he's working at the bistro now. Carla's like, and I've been in the business longer than this kid's been alive, but my God, he can sell knickers in a way I've never seen. <laughs> and Leanne's like, no, no, no. Nick would never dream of employing Jacob, especially not with asking, without asking me. And Carla says, well, he has. So Leanne clops right off to have it out with, her, with Nick. And she goes and says, well, you've told him he can have a job here. You can blame him well and tell him. And Nick says, yeah. no, I can't really. I'm you know, kind of doing it for, for Damon. Sorry, Jacob is working here now. So, um, and that's kind of it, really. Um, there's this little scene at the end of the episode at number one where Amy finds out that she's done well in her university assignment. Good for her. It's like she's going to make it further than anybody else in the history of Coronation Street by making it into the second semester. And um, G Jacob tells him about the bistro job. And she's not super thrilled about this because they barely, barely ever see each other anyway. And now he's going to be working nights, so when are they going to get any time together? And he basically manages just to talk around. Each other. He, he talks around. So it's all, all good and happy in the Barlow house at the end of the episode. Why doesn't she get a job? Because Spender. she's at university. I had she's a job got a at university. I had a job at university, thank you. I don't think lots of people do, though. She's fine. She didn't. She's got a. She's she's got a blanche money. She's 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 doing, lazy. She's doing just fine. So um, that was what happened in that storyline this week. Damon, Gemma. Yeah. Tell me your thoughts. <laughs> um, it looked like he'd been on the racist camping trip today because his eyes were a bit pink, weren't they? They did. It looked like they he'd been blown up. Yeah, it looked like somebody had been at him with mace at the beginning of today's episode. So I don't um, know, I don't know what's happening there. Um. I just remember the actor from the bill, so... And he was like a little cherub-faced police officer in that. Yeah. So I just... I, I don't... I can't be mad at him, because I'm like... 
Oh, you're doing your best. I think that he's doing. Maybe he's an undercover policeman. <laughs> I I think that um he's doing a fairly good job of playing a different type of character than what we've seen him before. He I I think that he's he's not too bad at being quite I threatening. I uh, I I'm not I can't get those vibes off of him. I like him too much. No, it's been it's been long enough since I've seen him in the bill. And I, it's weird because I was never really that into the bill, and I don't even remember what his character is even called. Gary in the bill. Best. Well, there you go. Hmm. No, I think I think he's doing a good job. I'm Unfortunately, not saying, excuse me, I'm not saying he's doing a bad job. No, he's I'm just... saying that my preconceptions are still there. Hmm. Well, it's, it's it's early days. He's only been in it two two episodes so far. What's so bad about saying I like him? No, nothing. That's fine. No, you, you you say you like him. I think I think he seems like a decent a decent actor to me and a good um um addition to the show. Unfortunately, he's kind of playing the type of character archetype that I'm never they're all the mega same, thrilled with. All these all these grinning gangsters are just the same person, aren't they? Grinning blackmailing gangster that's kind of like well, lavish, yeah. similar age. Almost always white guy with brown hair. Got a bit of double to make Normally, him look cool. Not that tall. He's definitely shorter than his son, isn't he? I mean, I think David could take him on. <laughs> no, I'm. I, yeah, I. I like the fact that they're giving Jacob a bit of a backstory because he's been in the show for a couple of years now. And we've not known very much about him. Um, I think that the revelation about them all being related to Harvey. It's fine. I, I think when when it came out, me and you just kind of looked at each other with a kind of quizzical expression, didn't we? Rather Why than that, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. <laughs> because it's one of those things that, well, they certainly never intended that to be the no, case, no did way. they? When they brought Jacob and Harvey in it last year, they, they weren't actually like, going to be related to each other. No, they must have had a little thing where, like, have we ever said, have we ever said anything about who his dad is? Mm. You did just thought it would be the sort of thing that would have probably come up Yep. When they were working together before. But it didn't. This, it's is, the, oh, go on. this is the sort of thing, what I was saying before about... Um, I can't remember what storyline I was talking about. Oh, they, they haven't explained this and that about this character or this situation. And it's because of reasons like this. Because then they can go back and say, mm. aha! But it seems like it's a bit of a thing that McLeod likes to do. Yeah, to make out that... Oh, and it turns out that so-and-so is related to so-and-so. Because, I mean, we even had that in this this same family before with Sharon being related to Harvey didn't yeah, we yeah it does it, it's not it's not needed because we already had a link between uh, Harvey and Jacob we didn't need him to be his uncle no it all just seems a bit convenient it's fine it's fine whatever but I don't think it was necessarily needed it was the same I mean we also had like turns out that Emma is related to Steve yeah turns out that Sam is related to Nick and it's like you can't, not you everybody can't, is, re is really related to each other you, or needs to be you've got to be careful about using it too much because it's mm. a, because it loses its power yeah and um, it really didn't need it wasn't a, a sort of significant gasp moment and it, and honestly ongoing what the hell difference is it going to make really he it, could have just been a mate possibly Damon Damon and and um and Harvey could have just been school friends who are drug lords together. They, they may well have other plans in the future where it necessitates them being related, yeah. but I, I don't I'm going to reserve judgment for that reason, but at the moment, I'm just mm. giving it a big what? Yeah, me too. 
Um, it's I'm not fine. mad about it. I'm not, it I'm not saying, no, there's no way that doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like I didn't necessarily need it. But I was also kind of looking back saying, so did, did Jacob and Sharon ever have any scenes together where their relationship would have you know been been brought up and it and it didn't because um Sharon left the show like a month before Jacob came in so oh so close to ships that passed in the night there but um anyway so that's that's the story it felt like although there was some backstory there which was nice I didn't really get why Jacob was mad at him because he was just like oh you were never there for me what? You don't get why you you would be mad at your dad for not helping? Well, no, it just wasn't developed any further than that, was well, it? It's like, you used to be cool, and then you were never there for me, and you looked, like, proper scared of him and everything as well. So it just feels like there's maybe a little bit more. It is a bit confusing, because... If if I if I was gonna have a a character being reintroduced to their estranged dad, and I wanted the easiest method of explaining what the backstory is, mm-hmm. then I'd probably say... Oh, the dad was just never there for him as a child. And that feels like, you know, the draft idea. And it didn't feel like it went any further than that. But as I say, it's How still, it's still early days. How has gone from, oh, I'm scared of him, to, oh, he got me a job in like two episodes? Well, he, I think he, in a way he might be doing it for Amy because she seems to be particularly charmed by, um, by the handsome um, future father-in-law potential. So I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's to do with that. But I... The, the the whole thing at the um at the bistro it it gave me vibes of the the money laundering story they had at speed dial last year you know with hashim and it's like and zidane had to do all of this um dodgy stuff so that he could pay hashim back and and now it feels like it's going to be the same Nick's kind of working with this dodgy guy and who's and Leanne's not going to know about it just the same as Yasmin didn't know about it you you feeling similar to you here's an idea why Maybe. why doesn't a different business become a front for money laundering why is it always the bistro has bistro been money laundering before well you know i don't know what they're up to but there's always some kind of criminal activity or blackmail going on if there's going to be a business that's going to have dodgy dealings it's always the bistro, isn't it? But I just said it was speed dial last year. They're sharing it round. There's okay. only two businesses right. on the street but anyway. You never get dev like, oh no. I've That's got... a good point. They haven't had like, that open yet, as far as I remember. You never have it at Roy's. You never have it at the corner shop. You never have it at the pub. Can you imagine somebody so, trying to persuade Roy to like secretly so smuggle like, drugs inside the cream horns well, that or something? Makes sense. I won't do that. That's illegal. <laughs> you know what I mean? It feels like the like the restaurants is um sort of just something inherently dodgy about the restaurant trade. Yeah. I don't particularly mind that it hasn't been the other ones. It just feels like it's a bit of a tried and tested story. You've got a dodgy gangster that's got a business owner over a barrel and what lengths will they go to to try and keep the secret rather than just telling the police about it and all what the... You know? It could it could be fun, but it well, feels has, so far like I've seen moment, it before. I don't get what Nick's... <sighs> Nick's sucker, isn't he? Yes. This guy just comes out of nowhere and goes, all right, mate, uh you owe me money now, not Harvey. And he goes, right, I won't check. I'm not going to phone Harvey up and ask him. I'm not going (laughs) to, I'm just going to take your word for it. And then I'm going to hire somebody that my, (coughs) are they, are they married or I've forgotten if they're they married at the moment. (laughs) They've been married before. Um, you know, my, my, my girlfriend literally hates this man and he was there at one of the worst periods in her life. And, 
Um, but but you're telling me I need to hire him as a waiter even though we can't afford to, or whatever he's been hired to do. Okay, cool, no problem at all. What the hell are you doing, Nick? You it's stupid, because, gullible idiot. It's because he's taken the money off Harvey and he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to face yeah, the wrath of Leanne if that ever comes out. What's the problem with that? At the moment, what crime has he committed? He's Taking, lied to Leanne. To, I know he, Leanne, she, she thinks that should be illegal, but it's not actually a crime. Leanne thinks that they're dipping into Sam's I know. Um, funds. I she? know, right? But but Nick is just being a dumb idiot. Yeah. Nick, Damon didn't come in and go, give me, give, um, you let me, let me work with you. Otherwise I'm telling Leanne that you got this money off Harvey. She, he doesn't know that Leanne doesn't know this. I can't remember he might know that. Well, it, he, the only way he, he could know that if it, is if bloody Nick told him, like an, like an idiot. I think he did. I think he said, oh, well, I don't want my idiot. partner to find okay, out. Okay, well, he's that. an idiot. Nick's just a stupid idiot. And this whole situation, it makes no sense. The same way as it makes no sense why Carla suddenly can't do anything without Jacob holding her hand and stroking her hand. And she's a good girl. <laughs> and what? why Why also does... Why is, Jake, why is Jacob jeopardising his... Much more lucrative, surely, position as a salesperson at Speed at at uh, Underworld. Well, surely he works on commission. Why is he passing that up so he can go and what wait tables at the bistro? But no, he's doing both, isn't he? Snicker salesman no, by day. No, no, because he's passed up an opportunity to ingratiate himself with Carla, and if he's involved in that sale call with Guilfoy's or whatever, surely he's going to get a bit of money out of that because it's commission. Mm. Why well, is he I being such know. a dimwit? And also, why did Carla let Jacob, a 20-year-old man, boy, man-boy, <laughs> say, no, Carla, I'm not coming in, actually. I've got another job. And she's like, oh, no, that's really bad. Oh, poor me. I'd be like, no, you're not. You could do what I told you to do, and then you can start your job. Why? Why? He didn't even start the job that day because Nick said to Leanne, he's starting tomorrow. So what? Jacob passed up the opportunity for extra money and to help out the boss so he could go to the bistro and nick could go these are glasses this is what we serve liquid in <laughs> i get what you're saying i get what you're saying it doesn't turn carla into a, an absolute idiot well she's already been going there anyway she, it she? turned it made nick look like a gullible fool jacob had absolutely no reason why he wants to work at the bistro and as far as i can tell um i don't know like what what I presume that Jay, that Damon's got some kind of nefarious reason for why he wants um, his son to work there because he's going to put pressure on, he's going to make him spy on Nick or whatever and it's all going to get very fraught and stuff. But this just just feels a bit like the most clumsy way of getting to that hmm. situation. I, I just think they needed to get there too quickly and everybody just made no sense. I do you have any particular clues about what Damon is his nefarious deeds are? Oh, is it going to be laundering? Boring. Is it going to be smuggling drugs? It's going to be boring yeah. criminal stuff, and it? it's going to be like, oh, um, I bought a bunch of wine, but I didn't really buy it. It fell off the back of a van. We can sell it, and then we keep all the money. And Nick will be like, oh no, we can't do that. And he'll be like, well, we're going to. And then he'll be like, oh. Uh, a man's going to turn up and he's going to order a steak, but he doesn't want a steak, he wants some drugs, so just put it on the plate and cover it in gravy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <coughs> it's always the same. It's always boring. <coughs> I, I'm not a, I'm not a mega fan of the dark and gritty businessy crime sorts of stories. Money like laundering this. is so easy to do in businesses like that where you have cash. 
Mm. But you just be like, oh, we had 100 people coming on Monday and they all had lobster thermidor. I'll tell you what, Gemma. Yeah. You might be criticising this, but you're forgetting that this does give us the potential of another appearance by Bistro Ninja. That's what I mean. <laughs> We've got to get Bistro Ninja out of this if we're going to go through another dodgy Bistro the story. Fact, the fact is that the Bistro Ninja has been more than one person <laughs> who's worked out there and independently came up with the idea to rob the Bistro. <laughs> silly. Who's next? Is, is Jacob going to be the next Bistro Ninja? I just saw this as a bit silly. Well, I, I think I was in a bad mood. And I, you were, just a And tad. also, Amy's right here. Like, what... Why are you why are you working during the evening and he's like, Oh, we need money so we can move out. What what tomorrow? No. Just relax. <laughs> just calm down. Also, the way house prices are, you're never gonna be able to buy your own place, so just forget it and buy your avocado toast and stay out renting in your well, house. I saw in the news today that house prices are gonna drop ten percent over the next year. Oh no. Mm. Um They're all pretty cheap up north. I suppose yet. I mean, why did why did it not come up? It would have made sense if one of them had said if like um, Jacob said, oh, I've got to take up more work because summer's moved out and we need to cover the rent. Ta-da, there you go. There's a, there's a compelling reason why. Well, maybe he did say that. I don't know. I don't. Well, I wasn't listening because I was too busy slagging it off. <laughs> well, I enjoyed the fact that we got more <laughs> Jacob and Amy scenes. I think they're a very interesting couple that have been sadly <laughs> underused in the past year. I like the character of Jacob. I like Amy. Amy just seems as like she's such a smart cookie, and she switched Jacob's, on. I'm really pleased um, with her doing the university stuff and everything. So it's great that they're they're possibly going to be getting a story now. Amy's smarter than everybody put together on that whole street. She needs to get the hell away from there. <laughs> right. Sorry, I was nitpicking. That was just silly nitpicking. I know it was silly nitpicking. That's what we're here for, isn't it? Christmas yeah. nitpicking. Max extremism next, Gemma. This storyline was the bomb, wasn't it? What happened? <laughs> I liked how it ended on a revelation that we could actually talk about because I was like, "Tala, tala, tala." Then we can talk about it in the show. He did, and all. On Monday, Spider goes around to Griff's and he's trying to get details about the finances because he needs to uncover who's who's fronting funding them. Um, and it's not Damon. He sees the he sees the bills and he tries to ask about it, and uh, Griff's like, "What do you what are you my accountant or something?" And Max is there as well, and they're going on a racist camping trip. And they're like, oh, it's all about fitness. <clears throat> Drinking beer. Now, this reminded me of the videos I, that I came out of. Um, and I don't know, I didn't really look into it. But all these like right-wing extremist groups in America, I'm sure that they released a training video of a bunch of like middle-aged dad bod men, like jumping about and trying to train up for the upcoming race war and uh, looking like a bunch of sad sacks. So I wondered <laughs> if it was going to go down that route of them. Like, oh, we're going to have to do push-ups and then we can win the race war. <laughs> oh. Maybe that's it's where a, it was going to go before laughable, the bomb went but off. It, but genuinely people think that is going to happen. It's really messed up. Got to laugh, aren't you? <laughs> Later on, spiders... Still trying to get money information out of Griff. He's like, don't worry about it. I'm going to meet one of my main donors soon and you're not coming because this guy likes to keep things quiet. Max finds David in the cafe later and he wants money to go on this racist camping trip. Um, and he says it's Griff. And Griff and David says, oh, it's a racist survival camp, is it? Yeah, he's saying it's a survival camp. And David said, oh, a racist survival camp. It's not just us. No. And he points out that Griff's twice his age and he's not going to hang out I, with I say him. he's over twice his age. 
Yeah. Yeah, he must be. He must be. He's not 30, is he? No. Well, I don't know. He's older than us, says Griff, surely. Hatred ages you, Michael. I might all be going so far as to say that he's almost three times Max's age, but... I tell you what, if if hatred does age you, then I'm... I'm aging in dog years, I think. (laughs) No, it's still the way around, isn't it? I don't know. I'm going to die soon of old age. (laughs) Griff goes to the Christmas market and guess what? What? The benefactor is Councillor Wass's face. Yes, Leonard thingy. You know... That guy, the uh, one the one who was parking in the places that he shouldn't have been parking last year. You could tell he was the wrong one from, from that, can't yeah, he? Maria he, was right. And he's the one that doesn't like Maria. Doesn't like Maria, doesn't like Sally, doesn't like Fergus. But here's my question, right? And I don't, I don't want to blame Maria for racism, but was he racist before Maria came along and started annoying him about immigrants? Or did it suddenly turn him? Well, he's hardly been in it. Like he's That was a terrible joke. <laughs> I'm just no, I mean I'm just kind of launching onto the fact that it was a big revelation that oh guess what the donor is is Councillor Leonard and I'm like oh he's yeah okay fine I I think that was another no, one I like, like that I thought that was good oh no no it didn't really bother me because he was I just like the idea he's only that been he's... in a couple of episodes so far this year <clears throat> I just like the idea that he was so annoyed by this meeting that he had with Maria where she tried to make it into a winter market that he's literally funding a hate group <laughs> to try to get back at her and blow her up. He's always been <coughs> racist. Well, that's the impression that you're supposed to get, isn't it? Um, Griff, Griff wants more money, and the council says, I can't give you any more. We've got to talk in the, in the villain's alley. And um, so they go down there, and uh, Councillor Leonard is very uncomfortable, and Griff's like, oh, the campaign's working nicely. We're driving the political landscape to the right, just like you like it. And Leonard's got no choice. He's got to cough up extra money for their racist survival camp. I don't know what they paid for though. They have to catch their own rabbit. It's the petrol to go out there, probably. It's expensive <laughs> these days. <laughs> oh my god, it's so pathetic. <laughs> this was this was kind of dumb as well, isn't it? Like, I feel like you don't need to fund a racist group of white supremacists if you're the local councillor to get everyone riled up about immigrants. You just tweet something about it with a secret account and suddenly everyone's frothing at the mouth and writing into the local paper. <laughs> I think it's the bomb. They don't come cheap, I, I hear. I don't know, do they? Apparently. It look like it look homemade to me. What do you, what do you make them out of? I don't know. Coronation Street should tell us step by step. <laughs> <laughs> uh, David comes home, finds Max packing his bags and Max's like, oh, you can't stop me. Nobody wants around around here anyway. I found my tribe now, which is definitely... Uh, Feels like a, a word that's been put into his vocabulary mm. by Griff. David says, you're just Griff's little puppet. And Mike goes, um, Mike just turns up. Mike wasn't in it this week. Max goes upstairs. David and Shona are at speed dial later and chatting about Max. And Arlie overhears and she's concerned. And she says, you should ground him. And Shona's like, oh, he's a decent lad deep down. He'll see through it before too long. Uh, which, you know... Feels a bit annoying if you're Alia. Like, oh, just let him be racist. He's just a kid. Just a Talk phase. Just a racist phase. We all go through it. <laughs> um, Max goes to tell the racist that he's in for the camping trip. <coughs> Your poor voice. I know. <coughs> <coughs> and they're like, hooray. But Lauren's not coming because girls have got cooties. It's only for men. So, guess what, Michael? What? I'm upset now because they're not just racist. They're misogynist, and I won't racist. stand for that. 
Well, I bet they wish that they'd have had her with her because I bet she'd have known how to cook a rabbit. She would have cooked a rabbit and she wouldn't have blown up the car. No. On Wednesday, Maxie's excited to go on this camping trip. David and Shona are not happy about it. There's nothing they can do. He tries to tell him that Griff's using him, but it doesn't make any difference. So they all go to the, um, go round. He goes round to the Griff's house and they all pack in. Um, we saw a bit of the corridor up to Griff's door this week, didn't we? Or was it last week? I can't remember. But it seems like that they've, yeah, they've, they've, they've got a bit of an extension to his set. I don't know why it's not, it's not in the precinct, but no. there must be a reason. So uh, Griff's like, oh, Reese, have you got the Christmas crackers? And Spider's like, oh, I like Christmas crackers. <laughs> Honestly, this would not I be... I like the little fortune-telling fish. Yeah, I like the funny joke. It tells me that there's climate changes happening. <laughs> oh, no. The world is ending soon. No. Um, yeah, this wouldn't be a way of hiding a bomb in the car. If you're around me and you say Christmas crackers, I immediately am excited and I want the Christmas crackers. And if you don't have them, I'm going to be asking questions about where they are. Mm. So, Toya is, sees David in the cafe and she she um, is concerned when she hears about the, the trip. She's like, hello, I'm back in it again. I've yeah. been I've been sitting on my ass again for another couple of weeks. Still not got a job, but um, I hear that I've got a big scene later with Spider, so I'm just catching up with you to find out what's going on. So, the racers have a jog around the woods. It was a little bit cold, didn't it? It wasn't exactly like the opening in the Silence of the Lambs, but it was still good old run, it looked like. It looked like it was maybe filmed in Heaton Park, I, I'm going to say. This all wound me up, because they're supposed to be going on Why a surprise... It was supposed to be a camping trip, and then it got turned into a survival camp. Yeah. Then the next minute, they're 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 part. They put their tents up within sight of their cars. <laughs> a bunch of pansies. That's rubbish. And then, um, and then they're putting their they're putting their jackets in the car and driving around in the car. No, if you're going on a proper survival camp, you've got a hike everywhere. Yeah. <coughs> <coughs> Like that, that 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 Freshco's survival camp, they did it properly, didn't they? Back twenty years ago, yeah, when they got lost laws. To, yeah, exactly. So Fred and Curly and Nita and that lot. Everybody runs back, and Max is last, and he twisted his ankle, and Griff's like I would be. Says, Not the worst thing to happen to him that day, though. Toughen up a bit. Stop being rubbish. Why is he last? He's supposed to be young and fit. Because he twisted his ankle. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Reese caught a rabbit in a snare. And then Griff says, oh, Max, you've got to gut it and skin it and stuff. And he gives him a machete. And then Max is like, I can't, I won't do it. Well, he looks kind of annoyed, doesn't he? He, 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 hmm. he kind of looks... Like, Griff's is just testing him here, isn't he? Yeah. He's trying to really kind of turn him into a man, as, as Griff would probably say. But Max he's, realises that, yet again, he's a little bit in over his head here. And he, he doesn't really bit. sign up for this. He's sulking a little bit. I remember the first time I ever boned a chicken thigh. I was, I nearly was sick. I mm. was like gagging and stuff. But I think I was about twelve. So, and I'd never done it before. Maybe I you're tougher than Max. Um, I wouldn't be able to skin a rabbit. No. I don't like the idea of pulling guts out of things. I'm surprised that Spider jumped in and said, "I'll, I'll do it if he doesn't want to do it." I know he said to Max later, "I wouldn't wanted to do it anyway." But Spider just seemed surprisingly chill about all the rabbit killing and eating so that was going on there. that being a vegetarian trumps being a not racist? So you think that, like, after being undercover with these racist guys and putting up with all their rhetoric about uh, likening people to crayfish and saying that everyone's invading the country, you think the final straw would have been, I'm not eating rabbit stew. 
Yeah, there's only there's so many really things that I will do for my undercover job, but I'm not eating a bit of rabbit. Do you think that would have been one of the questions? Like, before we put you in undercover with a white supremacist group, if they offered you rabbit stew, would you eat it? Yes or no? <laughs> it's like, do you have any food allergies or intolerances <laughs> before we put you in with this racist group? He, and then he says, yeah, I am intolerant. And they're like, brilliant, that's exactly <laughs> what we're looking for. So Spider goes over to, to Maxie sulking, and Max is worrying that Griff thinks he's a loser. Then um, he goes over to Griff to apologise for later and Griff says, well, fine, just help Ollie and Dave sort out the grub. And then Griff and Reese are left alone and they wonder how Max is going to cope with what he's got in the boot of the car. And we all get to see what it is. It's a bomb. And it what it looked like the sort of bomb that Batman used to run around with it in the 1960s. It wasn't. Sometimes you just can't get rid of a bomb. It wasn't that kind of bomb. It did look like it that. It didn't have that little sphere, black sphere with a fuse poking like, out of the top. It just looked like... Well, I mean, no, no, they're not going to make a really... Bomb written in white on the side. Caution, bomb. It was just a little, little black thing. I don't know what a bomb looks like. together. I've never just like that. Well, now I know, I guess. Mm. So they have their rabbit except spiders. Like, oh, I don't want to eat it. Really, honestly, this is not professional. Look, Griff knew that Spider didn't want to eat it. I'm sure he's come... You know, he can go foraging for You can't for, be a racist vegetarian. Apart from Hitler. <laughs> <clears throat> Max goes to put his... Max goes, right, sorry, this is a survival camp. He gets up and he puts his jacket in the boot of a car. What's yeah. your tent for? Well, it's to show how hard he is. It's like, I don't even need a jacket and it's flipping freezing out. It's brassic, but I'm really tough. He sees bomb and he's like, oh no. Then they all go for a racist car drive. <laughs> and Max and Spider are in di- different cars. Yeah, so you've got Max, Reese. And Griff. Griff in one car. With a bomb in it. Yes. And then uh, Ollie, Dave, is it? And Spider in the other one. Yeah, Dave. That's a good name, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so the main characters are with Max, basically. Yeah, so they go for a little racist drive. And then Griff's like, oh, I can smell some smoke. And then it cuts. You can see the car. And there's smoke pouring out of the of the steering wheel. Why was the smoke coming out of the steering wheel when it was the bomb in the boot that was going to blow up? Well, it's just got, you know, the motor's something wrong with it, isn't it? And Why? It just is. Convenient. So you think that the, 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 you think that the engine blew up and then it set off the bomb? Yeah. Okay, that's, that's logical. So everything blows up. Even they pull Max. over. It blows like, him like 20 foot clear of the car. Yeah. Uh, Griff says I can smell some smoke. Pull over there, and then they, and then you, you see Spider and the others watching this explosion. And I can't. Spider says something like, "We better go and check if they're what? all right." It looks like a bloody great big bomb just gone off over there. So, um, Spider, Ollie, and Dave rush over, and Griff carries over Max, and he's just lying there on the uh, out cold. And um, <laughs> is he breathing? Says, I don't know. Griff says, I'm not sure. Sorry, this I thought this was a racist survival camp and you can't even tell if a man is breathing out of his mouth <laughs> or his nose. Can you can you possibly think of a way you might be able to test that, Griff? Do you think Griff's way of testing it is to hold his nose pinched shut and see if he starts gasping for air? <laughs> oh, he's alive. That's brilliant. Spider says, oh, it looks like a bomb's gone off. And Griff's like, no. <laughs> so... <coughs> That was a cliffhanger <laughs> for the advert, wasn't it? Yeah. Max is fine. Max is fine. We just had to wait three minutes to find out. Uh, Spider starts um, tapping on his phone to try to get the ambulance. And Griff says, no, we'll take him to the hospital while Ollie and Dave sort the car out. So they go to the hospital 
and the 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 doctor who's got a very interesting and deep voice comes out and says she was a lady it's a lady it's a lady doctor because they're allowed you're allowed to do that now mm. um and well aggie i don't know what she's doing lazy no no she should where be was there. she um, on strike, probably with everyone, all yeah, those other nurses today. On strike, what with the with the rail people <laughs> and the post people. Um, so anyway, uh, the the doctor comes out and he's Chris like, like Hello, I'm, 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 "I'm David Platt. What's yeah. up with him?" And she says, "He's got concussion. He's got burns. So he's got to stay overnight." So he's got uh, sick he, burns. He <laughs> you woke up and you went, "Nice Platt," and she's like, "Ooh." <laughs> <laughs> so they go to the see the doc uh, go in to see Max Max and Spider gets on the phone yeah Griff, Griff because he rec- he's saying he's that he's saying his he's dad. dad so back Leave in number Spider 8 Shona's like room. oh how where's where's Max I haven't heard from him and David's like well he's not gonna contact us is he in front of all of his mates so Shona makes him call and leave a message so he rings and says I hope you're having a good time uh, um, sorry for earlier whatever Meanwhile at the hospital, Max is... So what, are, are, the, are the hospital staff going to find Max's phone, which he's going to leave there, maybe? And um, go, oh, this has got a voice message on. Let's just listen to this. What? This is from his dad? But his dad uh, didn't sound like that. His dad's got a Leeds accent here. Excuse me, Michael. It's 2022. You can have any number of gay dads. That's very true, actually. All of whom actually. could be called David. Yeah. 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 So, uh, Max has come around at the hospital, and he's confused about what's happened. And Griff says, oh, oh hello, son. Um, yes, the gas canisters wink, wink. we had in the boot must have overheated and blown up. And the doctor says, I don't understand how that could have happened. And I'm so exposed to a naked flame. <laughs> Spontaneously combusting the gas canisters. I don't think so, Griff. And, and Griff's like, well, you're a doctor, aren't you? You're not a gas scientist. So shut up. <laughs> That's what happened. So Max is like, oh, yeah, I don't remember. I, I definitely don't know. She might, I'll, she I'll might let you know work if in I... the um, colos- colonoscopy ward. What does that got to do That's with That's where it? you go for the gas doctors, isn't it? No. The bum doctor. No. No. So, um, she leaves and, and Max tells Griff that it wasn't a gas canister. I saw a bomb. And he's like, no, you didn't. Cut, shut up. Don't tell anybody because you don't want to end up like the rabbit, do you? Ha, 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 ha. Anyway, bye. I like how Griff always like, says something really scary and then he's like, ha, ha, only kidding. But I'm not really, am I? <laughs> Spider and Griff go into the... Waiting room. I have a conversation about Max. And Spider says, Oh, you shouldn't have let him in that car in the first place with a bomb. Could have died. And Griff's like, Shut up about the bomb. Well, no, Griff's still not telling Spider no, that there was a bomb. No, he's not telling anything about a bomb. Spider is suspicious, <clears throat> but Griff, he, he's, he's still not clearly anything, not yeah. trusting Spider yeah. completely because he's not telling him about the money. He's not telling him about the bomb. Reese yeah. is his number two. Yeah, you need to get rid of Reese. Mm. So. Night time, Spider's having another secret phone conversation with his boss, the very tall policeman. And this this made if me laugh. If the car had blown up and and, and Reese had been caught in the explosion, he'd have been scattered in Reese's pieces, wouldn't he? <laughs> Thanks. Carry on. Um, this policeman, right, was has either got somebody to hold the phone <laughs> up for him for FaceTime, <coughs> clandestine FaceTime chat in Ginnells, because they were doing it on the phone, weren't yeah. they? So, so Spider was in the Ginnell and the boss was in... In the interview room. In the, wherever he was. Or he's, like, set up a special... He's got a little phone... Face, hu- face height uh, stand for his phone, specifically for FaceTiming informants. He's, he's a detective inspector. He doesn't hold his own this. phone. I'm not holding a phone. Do you think I am? <laughs> P. 
PC. So anyway, um, Spider's going, oh, you know, you need to stop, try and stop Max from getting involved in this. And the boss is like, look, you never saw the bomb. Nobody's told you what's going on. You haven't got any information. And Spider's like, oh, this is terrible. I think this is awful. Oh, I'm fed up with this. Oh, and they're like, I was really mad with Spider. It's like, it's your job to find the evidence, you stupid idiot. You're, you haven't done anything. He's His boss should have told him off. His boss was like, oh, there's nothing we can do about it. You need to find more information. I'd be like, Spider, you stupid idiot. We put you in there to go undercover. And what have you come up with? He's trying his hardest. He's going, oh, please tell me who you're getting your money I'm gonna, from. No. Tell me about your bomb. It's like, I'm sorry. Go I've, on. Go on, Griff. Go we've on. hired you for this job. And the little kid's come in and he saw the bomb and you didn't. <laughs> what are you doing? You rubbish. So suppose like, I'm getting very frustrated with all this, actually. <laughs> hangs up. He hangs up. Well, he doesn't hang up. He's walking through the street, holding his phone up, doing his secret meeting on FaceTime. And then Toya sees Toya's like, go, go, boss, undercover boss man, sorry, bye. And then, oh, Toya. And, and Toya's like, oh, well, you've been on your racist camping trip with your racist friends. <coughs> <coughs> and Spider's like, oh, I can't hold it in anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to confess. I've got to tell you what's really going on. I'm actually an undercover police officer. <laughs> <laughs> and Toy's like, what a load of bollocks. <laughs> See you later, loser. <coughs> and he walks up. <coughs> and we'll leave it. that revelation for the next <coughs> episode, for the uh, for the comeback from that. I love We've been waiting like, for this for like, weeks. I know that I know that it did take her a while to to believe that he was a racist. But it really feels to me like she's now in, so invested in the idea that he's a racist that she can't believe he's an undercover police officer. But actually it makes more sense that that would be true rather than he's a racist. And also... Well, reminds... I think both of, both alternatives are a little bit iffy if you consider stupid. the kind of character that Spider is, I don't to be know, fair. Just, the way she replied it's like, is the most offensive thing he, like, he could consider doing. But actually, is no. it really? No. She he broke her cool. he broke her heart just recently. He lied to her. He said because you know about being married and everything. Um, so she's not in any mood to to believe anything she's saying. Look, I, can I I'm just not say? Necess- although I would have preferred her to go. Oh, Spider, I love you. Give me a kiss. I'm so sorry I ever doubted you. It does kind of make sense. I think that she was like, yeah, whatever. I don't believe a word you're saying. Yeah, but but, but but. If somebody's been caught out as a racist, yeah, and then they say, <laughs> "I'm not, a, I'm not a racist. I'm an undercover police officer." <laughs> Wouldn't you go? Well, nobody would lie about that. That's really far-fetched and bizarre. She just reacted. It's not the sort of thing. I think that she's you... going to go home and have a think. She's going to have a think about it, but it just really made me laugh that she was like, "No, you're not." It's Why? Just... <laughs> Why? Because he's got a necklace on. I just. Don't... It's 2022, Toya. <laughs> I don't, I don't like, I don't like it when they make Toya Mardi, which is quite a lot. I don't really like it too much when they make Leanne Mardi. So this, both, you know, both of yeah. these stories this week had a proper Battersby Mard fest, didn't yeah. it? And it's like, it's, it's not ingratiating either character to the, to the viewers, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, I still, I still love them both dearly, so I'll forgive it. But I hope that the next episode, I hope pretty quickly Toya comes round to the idea of, of Spider's True facts about him being a police officer. Well, and also, I hope, I really, God, hope that we get to find out a little bit more about why he's a police officer because this still hasn't really been 
revealed or discussed, has it? We've right. known for months now that Spider's a police officer, and as long-term Coronation Street viewers and Spider fans who've been like, really? Why would he do that? That doesn't seem to be the sort of thing that would float his boat, you know, the old Spider. I know he can change in 20 years and everything, but maybe we will find out about what has made him become a police officer. I just hope that now is the opportunity for him to explain why he's gone from activist to, to 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 copper, you know? Yeah. I'm just going to say, as a, as an officer, as a police officer, I find him lacklustre. I don't rate him at all. No, he's not that believable, is he? No, it's not. No, it's not a case of being believable or unbelievable. It's a, it's a case of he doesn't seem to really understand what his job is, what he is there for, or what evidence he needs to collect. Because I know for story purposes... He and and with and for likability for the character purposes, we have to see him constantly going. Oh no, just don't, don't I can't morally stand behind it, this. You know, oh it's terrible. Oh they're 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 recruiting a boy. It's awful. It was only in it for the racism, not the boy recruiting. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, well, what do you think you're doing there? What do you think was going to happen? Do you did you they not tell you what your job was when you went in? You've he's got just, to collect evidence about a crime. He's just biding his time. He's listening. He's not biding his time because he keeps he's, going back to the to his boss and going, oh, they're really they're really mean and they blew a boy up with a gas canister. You know what I mean? Like you haven't got any evidence. He's just fly on the wall, which is kind of ironic for a character called but Spider. But he's not collecting evidence. He's slowly getting... No, I totally agree. They've, they've just had useless. him sitting back for too long. He's fairly useless. They're, ruin, they're ruining his character by, by making that, him useless. I hope that when this is all over, he bounces back. Because my, you know, my memory of Spider, he's kind of a... A cheeky, cool. cool guy that's kind of stands up against the the likes Injustice. of Les and, and 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 always things go his way and he's the the yeah he's like go cool, yeah. go good people sort of thing and and at the moment he's things that he you know he's not coming across particularly well. He's not I still I still love Spider dearly as a character, but I I, I want him to to be chirpy and and just fun. Uh, when when he comes out of this story, because I I don't imagine he's gonna stay as a, a a cop once this story's over, or he's gonna leave the show. And I don't really want him to leave the show straight away after this because he needs some kind of redemption for me. Not I mean maybe that's not the right word, but I want there to be some kind of story where I can wholeheartedly love Spider again because I'm enjoying he's in there. But that's it <laughs> at the moment. I presume we're gonna find out on Friday. What was the original purpose of the camping trip? Because yeah. they didn't just go to a field to eat rabbit stew and then blow a car up, did they? Why, why was the bond I don't there? really know. Was it just a bonding experience? But if so, why couldn't they have carried on doing that at Griff's flat? They've been bonding yeah. away at Griff's and flat And why did they the need to bring the bond months. with them? I don't know. And what what was the... Per- like? I could understand if the, if they were like... <sighs> no, I can't understand it. Because well, I'll tell you... I, I you did... need to blow something up that's in a built-up area. So you don't go camping to blow up. I did see a theory on Reddit. Go on, tell me. People reckon they were there to bomb the grey squirrels, the invading grey squirrels, get them out of the trees. I like that one. <laughs> that would make Makes sense. more sense. No, I'm not sure what they were planning to do. Because if it was just like we need to get away from everywhere, we need to make sure that nobody's spying on us before we unveil this bomb, okay, they could have done it in the flat. I, I, don't, I don't get what it was. Was it just a case of, let's see how, you know, how much hardship we can put Max through and see how tough he really is before we trust him to, you know, are they going to strap a bomb to Max? I, I don't, it I don't know. It wasn't that sort of bomb. No, you know, you 
probably could have tied a cord around it or something. I don't I don't know. It it wasn't clear to me what the point of the trip was other they than they really did not explain it. It would have it would have just been so easy to have And I'm the sort of person, obviously, who constantly banging on about there being more location shoots. It just felt like in this situation was it because they wanted to blow something up and it's easier to blow something up outside than in, in inside? Maybe. Well, they're going to test it out, maybe. But then why keep it secret from Spider and... Why why do they keep it secret from Spider and um, and I think they wanna... Max if they were going to take it on a camping trip with I them? think they just want to keep it a secret until, the, until it can't possibly be well, kept a secret anymore. Make sense. But right, my, I, I would have. Oh, go on. I'll give them props for one thing. What? When we go camping, there would not be any room in our boot for a bomb. <laughs> that's very true. You so do, I'll give them that. You they're don't very, travel light, do you? No, they they did they did do that. Well, that's very why they well. didn't take any girls along on the trip. So they're like, can't take Lauren because she'd fill a car up with like hair dryers. <laughs> there won't be any room for bombs there. Um, I think that the scenes. I was I was looking forward to the races camping trip, but I felt like it was a little bit of a letdown. Was there it were only races a couple at all? <laughs> there was there was only a few scenes out there. I thought the stuff with the rabbit was kind of chilling. I like that. And when Griff kind of turns to Max chilling? and say, you know, when he was saying to him, right, you've got to do this now. Hang on a minute. No, 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 no. What? What? No, you bunch of softies you are. What? You lot, no. I'm not, I'm not I wouldn't skin a rabbit. Yeah, but that's not sinister. Sorry, are you going to say that's sinister? That just makes me think that... No, you handing too removed him, from... No, handing Max a knife and saying kind of... He was having a jolly old time on a camping trip and saying, now you've got to do this. No. Sorry, that's no. a bit grim. It's, it's a bit pathetic to think that's so grim. No, it's not. I, w- I wouldn't I wouldn't want to do it, but it's not, it's not sinister. You shouldn't be saying that... If you eat meat, you shouldn't be, like, going, oh, it's sinister and dark to prepare food, like... What would have been no creepy? Way. You can't Listen, if you were to take a random sixteen-year-old, groomed or not, and said, "Here, skin this rabbit." Most I'm not of saying. Them are... I'm not saying that. I agree with you, but I think that it's a, a sad indictment on modern society that we're so far removed from where our food comes from that <laughs> that you're calling it sinister to to prepare meat to eat. If you're going on this camping trip, you have your sausages and beans. Michael, let me say what I was going to say. Go on. I think it would have been... You're saying the word sinister. I didn't find that sinister at all. I just thought it was kind of funny that he's so squeamish that he can't even (laughs) skin a rabbit when he wants to be a racist. (laughs) Come on. But I thought if you're going to try to create that feeling, you need to have him kill the rabbit. Mm. They couldn't... That's what I think they wanted to do, but they couldn't obviously do it because... Oh, yeah, finish this... Yeah, if they caught it in the, the trap was and said, Max, you need to finish, finish it off. That would have actually been, been evoked. Do you, do you see how that's completely even, on a different not level? Not even young Pat Phelan could have done that. He had to wait for that rabbit to die, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, but you see what I mean? That would have been mm. more evocative of, of the sinister feeling that you're saying that you got from skinning a rabbit. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, maybe it's just, I don't know. I, I would be quite excited to, to be in on preparing a rabbit to eat it. I wouldn't really want to do it. And get my hands dirty, but I wouldn't be like, "Oh, this is sinister." I would not. 
Do you I see would, what I mean? I would though? be sitting in my tent playing on my switch and letting Michael, all the big boys do the cost rabbit of skinning. There's a living crisis going on in this country at the moment. You're going to have to learn how to skin a rabbit <laughs> and you're going to like it too. I thought it was funny that Reese was the one that was going to do the flaying of the rabbit, Reese Bolton. Yeah. When in the Game of Thrones, again, the Bolton are the best known for, for, for skinning people, aren't they? But my point is that, yes, we are all a bunch of city folk and a bit icky, squicky, but you're saying that sinister and I'm telling you people as a, as a matter of course in their everyday life prepare food and it's not sinister at all to hunt and and have your own oh, I thought it was well, I'm and just I saying, think it was supposed to be I, I, don't, I think that they I think that they should have had him like I said like a little rabbit maybe caught in a trap but they, I, I guess I couldn't be bothered to get a rabbit wrangler <laughs> maybe I thought that I think that the um the camping trip scenes would have been better if they were at night as well. I just felt, if they were going for, oh, this is something dodgy he's getting into, having them sitting around a campfire and having the explosion at night, it might yeah. have just been a bit more atmospheric. Probably did. The, Probably the, all these diva actors, they don't want to go out at night in the in camping in the dark. They want trailers and... The, the bomb explosion itself as well. I just didn't feel like the tension building up to it. Like they were sitting there... Griff says, can you smell something? The next minute you can kind of see it exploding in the distance. What they I, need to remember I, is that... could have done better. As an audience, as audiences now, we're all savvy and we know what... We know how stories are told. And no, there's nobody in the country, surely, who was sitting there watching this going, oh no, Griff and, and, and um, Max might have died <coughs> in that explosion. Because the story wasn't anywhere near finished. There was no, no. There was no way they were going to be in peril because it would have been an unsatisfying ending to the story. It would have been a good twist if Max had been killed off. It wouldn't have been a good twist. It would have been bad storytelling. Uh, Do you see what I'm saying? Nobody, yeah, nobody was worried because they, it wasn't at the end of an episode mm. for a start and it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have resolved any of the storyline threads. So don't waste explosions on the middle of an episode. But they've been saying for weeks now that the racists have been like, oh, no, we're, we're planning something big, we're planning something big. And it would have been a bit of a curveball if they'd put in a shock death of a, no, a character that we thought was a major character. Sorry, they've been no. offed in the middle of the story. I know it wouldn't it's have not happened. A curve, it's not a curveball but... to ruin your own story because you're so excited about surprising everybody. I didn't think it would do I think it might have just raised the stakes. No, what do you mean raise the stakes? Killing Max off? Yeah. But then, who... No, who cares about this but Especially when Spider's been saying, I've been trying to get him out. My bosses have been not removing him from the situation. I've been saying, get him out, scare him off. This There's a 16-year-old innocent kid in here. Hey, what and the they've been saying, no, needed. no, no, it's fine. Just let him in there. If he'd have got like properly, seriously injured, maybe even lost an arm or <clears> something, <throat> I don't know. And then the police would have been under under fire for, for not, not getting him out of it. I think that would have been quite good. What this story needed was Max's special childhood friend that he's always been best friends with, who has been there all the time with Max, coming along for the tr ride. He then was blown up in the car and died. Well, he did try to um, enlist, um, what's his face, Dylan, into the group the other week, didn't he? 
He, the guy could have sacrificed Dylan for the storyline. Yeah, why not? The only one who cared off. about that. But then Sean would have been like, my son! <laughs> Again, wouldn't they? Um, anyway, so I... You've I, written here, no big deal about Leonard being the benefactor. I have written no big deal. You think no it's big no deal. big deal that your local councillor's secretly funding white supremacist hate groups? We said, we, when we talked last week about are we supposed to know who the benefactor was, I think was, we, we, oh, you said, oh no, it's probably nobody that we know. Yeah. Um, well, but I like when it turned twist. out, I think it's good. Okay. Do you not? Why don't you think that's good? It's, it makes it even worse because he's in local government. He's supposed to. I'd have preferred it if it had been a twist and it was a character that we knew or cared more about. That's all. I can't believe it, Evelyn. You're putting your pension <laughs> money towards this racist hate group. Exactly. She's exactly. like, keep Britain British. <laughs> Oh, Evelyn, <coughs> you're such a grouchy old anyway, owl. Anyway, um, the story <laughs> the story has got a bit more exciting this week. It had been nice kind of simmering away for I a little bit. Yeah, I, 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 I just think it's... I, I find... Uh, I, I blowing were, up the car with this bomb. It, it, they, they could have made the action of tonight's episode with a little bit of a different direction. I think it could have had me on my edge of my seat a little bit more. But at least we have got the confession from Spider to Toya now. Yeah, that's so exciting. It, if if she, is she going to go and tell everybody? He's he needs to talk to her before she starts saying, "God, you know what, Leanne and Nick, my housemates, guess what Spider said to me? Well, he, he needs said, to get in there fast." He said, "I shouldn't have said anything. I shouldn't say. Shouldn't even tell you this." Mm. But I assume the next episode will be set the next day, so she, Toya has had ample opportunity to to tell somebody. But, yeah, but Leanne and Nick won't, won't tell do. anybody. Well, they've got their own problems well, to be dealing with. I don't think that they need to get involved in this one. But anyway, that was quite cool. Um, I wonder, my little theory is that maybe Spider is going to try and get more information from Reese Because a couple of weeks ago, Reese was sort of saying something like, oh, wouldn't, don't you think we should... I can't remember what he was saying. Like, shouldn't we get Griff out? Or I'm, I'm fed up of Griff being number one or something. Mm. Um, so I, I think if Spider... Because Spider knows that Reese knows about the bomb and everything and he may there may be well be other secrets so he might try and sidle up to him and say look i remember what you said the other week about we want to oust um to griff from being top dog in this can you give me a bit of info was that there was a bomb wasn't there and then I, I think that might be his way to to taking him down possibly but i still don't want him to be taken down until they have a proper big big climactic yeah. thing whatever that's going to be because they've blown their load a little bit earlier on by little literally by blowing up this bomb, they need to have a huge, huge payoff for this story because they're touting this as being you know, the biggest news story uh, of the end of the year, and it's not quite feeling big enough yet. Mm. And I don't know, I don't know, I don't know when that's going to happen. It might be very, very soon, or it might be in the new year. I don't know, but um, it it was it was okay. I thought, and um, yeah, I guess that is going to be triumph for Maria when evil counselor Leonard eventually gets found out about and. And that'll be that, really. Um, should we move on? Lumps of Daisy. So that that one all started on, on Monday with Daisy being a bit sad because she hasn't heard from Daniel um, uh, after what happened last week. And should she go and see him? And Jenny says, no, Daniel needs to be the one that's doing the groveling at, at the moment, actually. So um, Daisy, to take her mind off what's been going on with him and his article and everything, um, and, and being drunk at the doctor's surgery and all that, says she agrees to help Jenny with... I thought it was Christmas fair stuff, but apparently it was a Santa's grotto in the smoking area, which Love is a it. bit odd. 
So festive. Is that really the best place to do it? And we didn't even get to see it. Anyway, so so Daisy's off dressing up as an elf for the rest of the episode, which was kind of cute. Meanwhile, Adam's trying to convince David, no, Daniel, sorry, to get in touch with Daisy. And and he's just kind of moping around over at number one. And he's, he admits that he's terrified of Daisy having this lump. He's like, oh, he, he's really like taking all of her problems and putting it onto him still, isn't he? He's like, oh no, my girlfriend could have cancer. I don't think that I, Daniel, can, <coughs> can, can cope with this. And Adam's like, just... But it, this isn't about you, Daniel. It's about her. Go and speak to her. But he won't. So Adam has to go to the pub himself to have a word with her. And um, and Daniel doesn't know he's there. And and Adam has um, seen this article on Daniel's laptop, the one that he's been writing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he takes a picture of it to give to Daisy, which which melts her little heart, because it's a very lovely article. Two page, two paragraphs long, and then it kind. Of, did anybody else pause it? I saw that this had happened on Reddit as well. Somebody else had put a picture there, but we'd done it ourselves beforehand. So when Daniel sees that, uh, Adam sees Daniel's article on the screen. There's like two pages about, oh, my wife's died of cancer. Isn't it sad? Oh, and then another girl came into my life, and she's the most wonderful thing that's ever happened to me. And then the third paragraph just breaks into Edgar Allan Poe, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a bit of the Raven. How does it, it start? Midnight clear, something, something, something. And it completely, um, yeah. Once upon a midnight weary, yeah, as I it. pondered, weak and weary, over some forgotten. <laughs> it was like, tome of come on, Coronation War. Street. If you're gonna oh, show three paragraphs on screen, at least get the person who's preparing it to write three paragraphs, because you know, back in the day when you maybe couldn't record it, and you only if you missed it first time, that's it fine but people these days are going to pause it and have a look at things like that so yeah poor poor form coronation street also you mm-hmm. used a colon wrong in your first paragraph and a semicolon wrong so um i don't think look... that english graduate daniel would have been able to um, write something so poor as that sorry the um on coronation on the subreddit coronation street bad new use a bad new with lots of um hyphens between uh their name has has posted the same screenshot that we found, and um, he's he's titled this himself. Mm. Daniel's titled it. Widower Daniel Osborne writes about finding love after loss. Yeah. Calm down, love. You don't write your own titles. Thank you very much. <laughs> and then he's written. Um, it honestly, this is not great. The death of my wife felt like the end of my world. I was left with an emptiness I couldn't imagine ever being filled. <sighs> It's, you know, and then also hilariously, you've got the Egan and Poe thing, and it's like someone and somebody's typed it out wrong because there's a spelling mistake, and then and then it gets to um, wrapping up my chamber door, and then it, somebody's gone off piece there because it says ah distinct applying easy open easy is easy is as easy no easy is as easy does. This isn't the full stop easiest full stop. <laughs> so whoever was in charge of this just went, no one's going right, to read this. No one's going to read this do. rubbish. You also, underestimate us. Also, the thing I don't get about it is that it was the, some of his text, all of his text is like left justified. And then the Edgar Allan Poe stuff goes all the way across the, the, so the screen. Nitpicky. So it like so really nitpicky. draws your attention to the fact that he's just... I also, I like the idea... That it wasn't actually somebody on Coronation Street. In the world of the show, Daniel's like, 
oh god this is dreary isn't it I was going to start writing out some of my, my favourite and, and then he just starts writing a load of crap and then he's like I think I self-sabotaged here <laughs> and then he submits it anyway and then he gets an email the next day going well we're not not yeah, I'm not publishing it. that. <laughs> anyway, um, Daisy's clearly a massive Poe fan. I'll just put her more of a tinky winky girl myself. <laughs> but um, she 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 thinks it's wonderful. And Jenny finds her sobbing in the back room later. And um, she's been touched by this article from Daniel about, you know, how she well, helped on. him rebuild his life after Sinead. It and... says here, right, I started to gravitate towards a woman I would eventually fall in love with. She's funny, clever and beautiful, way out of my league. So she's just crying because he said she was beautiful and it's going to be in print. <laughs> We're not supposed to be um to, to be pouring over it in quite so much detail, but if you put it there right in front of us, Coronation Street is going to. We're going to analyse it like it's our English GCSE yep. exam. Yeah. Um, he's not going to get his job back in teaching after that anyway. So um, anyway, she's like, I've got to go and see him. I need to go. And, I need to go and make up with Daniel. And Jenny's like, Oh no. Um, oh yeah, this is the point where Daisy has to become an elf, isn't it? My elf for my Santa's grotto has pulled out. Oh no, can you be my elf, Daisy? She does a kind of cool kind of sweet talking her into it. So um, Daniel comes around the pub later and finds Daisy <laughs> dressed as a sexy elf. And she's like, Jenny's I wasn't like, going for sexy, but I can't help it. Oh yeah, that's true. She's good there with her sexy pointy ears and her sexy um, red cheeks and her sexy green hat. Oh, sexy. D- uh, Jenny was like... Oh, you would you like to be my would you like to be my sexy elf and not think about your breast cancer and your imminent death and your boyfriend being left alone? I've got a special hat for you. <laughs> she looked very cool. Um and anyway, she she tells Daniel that she's read the article and she's flattered and no hard feelings, all that, but really I need a guy that I can rely on. She's right. So nope. But anyway, she soon changes her mind in the next scene because what? she's she's post elfin at the end of the episode. About she's got being around cheese and a, onion crisps down her top. She's been around such a a <clears throat> the epitome of of masculinity. That's that amazing masculine presence that is Father Christmas. Yeah, and she's like her ovaries are just popping away, and she's like I can't live without a man in my life. And Father Christmas is already taken, so the next best thing is Daniel, Daniel. Osborne. Yeah, yeah. So um, something so erotic about Santa's grotto. They have a big old snog in the in the in the back room, and uh, she goes upstairs, and then Daniel gets a ring out of his pocket. I've forgotten this happened. I know, me too. I, until I just read that note, just I completely forgot that was the cliffhanger at the end of Monday's episode. So he's going to pop the question to Excuse her. Excuse me, can he I just do it say yet. something here? If you cheap out Daniel Osborne and try to make that her Christmas present, you're going to get to that around the year. Do you think it's da- uh, it's Sinead's ring? Wasn't Sh- didn't Sinead have a hand-me-down ring as well or something? I'm I'm sure I remember there being something about him reusing a ring in the past. Maybe he proposed to did he propose to Bethany? I can't even remember. But anyway, that's for another day. Probably Christmas Day. Let's face it. So Wednesday. Jenny's helping Daisy getting ready for the medical appointment because that's what Wednesday's all about. Daniel's there saying, no, I'm going to stand by you. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be a good boyfriend for you. Come what may, I'm going to help you out with this one and hopefully it'll be good news anyway. So um, Daisy's there sitting waiting in the hospital waiting room and there's this um, there's this Irish guy that gets chatting to her and he's a bit maudlin because he's here with his cancerous mother and he's pretty traumatised by how unfair the whole situation is. And, and anyway, before um, Daisy can get too down in the dumps about it, she gets called in for her results 
and um, the consultant that comes in at the table this is and what he starts. Like. What's he start talking? He's he's like, like, How you doing? He's all like, right, guys. Oh, sorry, guys. Okay. I'm running a bit behind. You know, it's like around Christmas. Everyone's dying of cancer. Anyway. And Daisy's just like, just tell me, tell me about my lump. And he's like, oh yeah, that is fine. It's just, a, it's just a cyst. Just a benign... So she, he does a bit of a TV poetry corner, doesn't yeah. he? He says, totally benign and you're going to be fine. And then he goes, finger guns. <laughs> so anyway, hooray, it's fine. I knew it would be. I said last week in the podcast, she's not going to actually have cancer. It's just there to, to bring back memories for Daniel and to, for him to prove himself or, or otherwise, as it turned out, uh, about what a great boyfriend he is. So they all go back, have celebrations in the Rovers, have a bit of a snuggle in the booth later... And um, this is when Daniel reveals to her that he's known since this morning that his uh, amazing plagiarise um, Poe article isn't <laughs> going to be published in the Gazette after all. And uh, Daisy's like, well, you never know. Maybe you should become a teacher again because you're a pretty darn good writer, Daniel. And, and he's like, teaching oh, and writing I are the should. same thing. Maybe I should. So, um, yeah. I didn't... I hated this, this scene with the you man... hated everything. Yeah, with a man in the waiting room, as if Coronation Street was saying to us, look, yes, beloved character, Daisy, our beautiful, hilarious Totty, she's not going to die of cancer, but just remember that someone else out there right now, could even be you, is... At Christmas and everything. At Christmas. Mm. How do you like that? I didn't I just mind didn't, that. I, I no, you, I hated it. I know you hate that kind I of thing. I was like... I, I right I, I can't remember whether it, it's just you that told me if I snuck on the um the synopsis to check to see whether she was gonna have cancer because I couldn't deal with this I had to know so oh I just thought that she, I just presumed I that she wasn't going to so I was like okay good I can I can not I cannot worry about this and then this bloke turns up and his fictional mum's dying riddled right, with tumors. Have a scene in the oncology ward. It's no. Got to, it's got to be someone, isn't it's it? It's bad enough. Listen, okay. People are out there watching this who, who are suffering with it from that. And they just want to relax at Christmas and not be reminded of it. I didn't see the need to have that scene. Unless something's going to happen. Because he did, he did sit closer to her and kind of like cuddle up to her a little bit. Maybe he's just a liar. Like maybe he's like um old... Sea Explorer Man. Jude. Yeah. Maybe he's one of those. Maybe. He, the... Or a, or a Curtis. Also, also, he's trauma dumping here. He just met this woman. And he's like, oh, my mum's dying of cancer. And she's like, sorry, sorry, are you talking to me? What do you mean? <laughs> it didn't, didn't bother me. But I know that you don't like that. So it's a I bit don't triggering like it. for you. So if, if he was but... talking to me about it, I'd say, no, don't want to hear about it. It makes me too sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think about Daniel being a teacher again? No, surely he's not a teacher because he can't help pushing people downstairs. I can't remember why he quit now. It was something related to not being able to cope with with children like Max. I thought he, he just quit. has to push them down the stairs. And, and didn't like Max reveal that Nikki was a was a prostitute or something? And he was like, I can't be doing with this these days. I thought he quit because he was fed up with everybody using his classroom as a meeting hall. <laughs> I think that I I wouldn't mind if he went back into it. Um, I think it was a bit weird when he pulled out quite so soon. To be honest, after he'd been through Everyone's that whole PGCE. Everyone's pushed the kid down the stairs. Um, I, think, I think having you know following his father's footsteps, he seems like he's the right sort of thing. He's the right sort of personality to be a teacher. I'd be absolutely fine with him going back. The logic here didn't, Nikki, didn't add up though. What? It's like let's celebrate me not having cancer by you becoming a teacher again because you're good at writing. 
Well, they needed to have something to, to like the touch paper for that little storyline that's maybe going to be happening next year. But for now, no, all I is well. I don't think so. I, Daniel can't cope with the stress of being a teacher. He should not be a teacher. He's not cut out for it. It's not. It's too difficult. No, you're absolutely right about that. No, you're right. I'm kind of confusing whether he should do it, whether I'd like to see him do it. And I would like to see him be a teacher. It also makes sense storyline-wise, because, you know, we have all these kids passing through Weatherfield High and all they all need English lessons, don't they? So it would be helpful to have him there. But you're right, he very clearly showed in his training year or whatever it was that he was having. He can't cope. He couldn't cope with it. He was pretty good at organising trips to Scotland, but that's about all. Well, so so they say, but did we see it? No, no. No. The other thing also is that she shouldn't have taken him back because he proved that he cannot be there for her in any meaningful way when she's going through a crisis because, no offence, best one in the world, this, you know, is surely not going to be her only health scare she ever has in her life. Mm. Well, and he immediately dumped her like a hot, well, you know sick. that I, you know, I am very, um, very tolerant. I, I, I have lots of forgiveness for couples that I like. So Daniel and Daisy, yeah, fine, whatever, well, forgive them. Biz me. and Tyrone, yeah, whatever. Spider and Toya, yeah. So what? He lied to you all this time. Getting together, it's fine. I'm forgive just a bit of a romantic for not finding in that sense. any sympathy for a man who, at the first whiff of his girlfriend possibly having something wrong with her, immediately becomes a hysterical mess and absolutely makes everything about himself and doesn't help her at all in the slightest. He's been through traumatic times. His young bride was cruelly taken away from him not two years since. Well, nobody can guarantee that somebody's never going to get cancer. Yeah, he's fragile. He's had a bad upbringing. I don't have sympathy. I know I do, though. Well, you better not treat me like that, then. Okay. Okay. Do you see see where I'm coming from? Yeah, yeah, Totally. I don't like the idea that you think that's fine th- behaviour to, to to have. No, I just like Daniel and Daisy together, and and he's he's been through a rough time. But he's he's decided he's he's rallying now, isn't he? He's sticking with her. Oh, that's all right then. Yeah, that's fine. Only because she doesn't have cancer. He would have stuck with her anyway. He told you decided. Oh, he d- no. Yeah. Anyway. Let's go on to the next story. I'm Let's... not impressed at all with Daniel. Comic relief, Gemma. The couch for the grouch. We're not talking about you. What's going on at number 11? Me? Yeah, it's you. Why? What? You're just pointing at me like... It's your, it's your go, Gemma. Read right. the notes. What happened on with George? On Monday, George has bought a top secret present for Eileen for Christmas, but he won't show Sean and Mary and Glenda what it is because he wants doesn't want them to take credit when Eileen unwraps it. How's she going to unwrap it? Because it turns out it's a posh leather sofa. Seize it then. I didn't know what it was at this point. Well, with your little theories, you probably could unwrap it. Yeah. It's one of these red... Chesterfield sofas it's going to be, isn't red it? Red leather. Yes. George is showing everyone a picture. Oh dear, do you want me to say this? <laughs> Jenny do you says... Want to save your voice? You're going to do it. You're going to play it through. <laughs> Jenny says it's going to make everything else in the room look rubbish but I'm going to point something else out that nobody's mentioned and is a glaring obvious fact and makes this incredibly unsuitable as a, as a, a gift what it's red what colour is Eileen's front room I don't even remember purple it is purple isn't it does dark burgundy leather red sofa go with pastel bur- purple no it doesn't George are you colour the thought that counts George he probably thinks it's blue. <laughs> anyway, everyone's like, brilliant. He says it's going to arrive on Christmas Eve. On the way home, 
Eileen tells everybody that she's bought him presents and one of them's a pair of earbuds and one of them's a hot water bottle and she's going to wrap them both up and then depending on what he gets her, she's going to give him one of the, either the good present or the bad present. So he's going to have a hot water bottle. Well, she was, she was somewhat burned last year by the uh, the present of the funeral plan, wasn't she? Yeah. I can't be- I'm surprised that was only a year ago. But I mean, George hasn't been in the show that long. But is this going to become an annual tradition now of what does George get Eileen for uh, Christmas? I wouldn't mind that. I don't mind silly... Uh, Wednesday, this is the silly story of the week, to be fair. It, no, this was the intentionally silly storyline. Yes, line. yes. Uh, Lawrence turns up at number 11, and he sits on the sofa and says, oh, this sofa's a load of old crap, isn't it? What a rubbish, absolute dog poo sofa. I can't believe you cretins sit on this disgusting, pathetic pile of crap. And, he's and like, George is I've like, sat, I've on. sat on this sofa many times before, but I feel now is the time yeah. to reveal this. yeah. Yeah, he's like, I can't believe you didn't watch those DFS adverts and go sofa for Christmas, because that's what I would do if I lived in this absolute hovel of a home, Eileen. You were, you're the worst host in the world. And everyone's like, Lawrence, that's really rude of you. <laughs> um, Lawrence, George is like, don't, don't, shut up. Eileen's going to think she wants to buy a new sofa. I was almost waiting for there to be a total suspension of disbelief with Eileen going, you know what, Lawrence, you're right. I'm going to go and buy a sofa right now and I'll have it have it home by tea time. Oh, Because uh, that's not I how buying sofa. sofas works. I got this sofa because it was um, a showroom. So it's cheaper. <laughs> showroom sofa. So, yeah, for some reason, George thinks that Eileen will immediately just buy a new sofa on a whim because Lawrence thinks hers is crap. Sorry, George, but not everyone thinks Lawrence is the best be-all and end-all in sofa opinions. So later on, George has to explain to Sean why he told Lawrence to shut up. And later on, George is putting together his plan because he's realised that the sofa has to go in the room without a sofa in it. So they have to get the sofa out, which is something dawned on us recently. Um, So his plan is to get everyone out so that to get Eileen out so that everyone can put the sofa I don't know <laughs> yeah, this is making this more complicated than it actually it's is really like, they so, need to take the sofa out of the room so they can put a new sofa in so George invites Eileen over his house and she says well I don't know why we don't live at your house because my house is a hovel apparently that's not quite what happened but it's the general gist of it yeah she's going to go around is, George's house for Christmas Eve Eileen's so, such a mug she should just live with George and charge everybody to stay at her house and become a landlord. She loves it there. She's been living in that house for 20 years. She's got her roots there now, hasn't she? She's it's settled like five nicely. grown men living in the house with her. No, and it's really handy because her work's just around the corner. Well, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be moving in with Phil down in Cardiff to get away from that place. <laughs> so anyway, she's like, yeah, I'll stay over your house. And, um, and now nothing could possibly go wrong. Apart from the fact that he's clearly bought a doll's house sofa. Yes, clearly has. Um, we've not seen any spoilers. I don't even know whether this is in the synopsis, but I've seen an awful lot of other people online theorising about this one, so it's safe to say that um, as well, our collective going, hive yeah. mind that we've made this happen, although I didn't think about it because well, I'm not clever know. like that. I didn't know like, this was a thing. You said, what do you mean? Why would somebody hi- Why would somebody buy doll's furniture and not realise? And I was like, ha-ha, let me show you all the hilarious goof-em-ups that people have done buying things off Amazon. But you did point out something which I thought was very sensible, and that is that surely you have to measure the sofa to make sure that uh, that's it's going to fit. That's what I think. I mean, Eileen does have a very 
petite front room there, doesn't You're not going to be like, I don't... So you can't just buy any random matter. sofa. So surely George must have gone online and said, oh, let me just check the measurements first. Maybe but he, he was, didn't. Maybe he was like, I definitely need a three-seater because hers is a three-seater, so we need to get... Did he misread his millimetres for metres or something like that? I don't well, know. Well, he'll explain himself. <clears throat> I also wonder, like, what is the website that he's bought this on? Well, lots of if people If it's buying... miniaturesofas.com, then sorry, he's got nobody to blame but himself. <laughs> It's the alarm bells went off when he said, "Oh, I, I shopped around and I got an absolute bargain." Oh yeah, and he said he read a review, didn't he? He was like, "Oh, it says here this is a perfect bit of craftsmanship." I'll treasure it forever. And yeah, I was like, yeah, that's right. You don't treasure sofas forever, mm. and you certainly don't buy them according to how much of a bargain they are, because that just seems suspicious. Yeah. So what sorry we're if we've spoiled this for everybody. Christmas Day, because it's clearly going to happen. At Eileen's house is going to be everybody standing around awkwardly because they've got rid of the old sofa. Yes. And no doubt, instead of doing something sensible with it, like storing it somewhere or giving it to somebody, they'll like... Chop it into firewood. Burn it or something ceremoniously (laughs) in the middle of the street. Yeah, there's always some kind of disaster on Christmas Day, well, like they haven't put the turkey in the oven properly or something, and this is going to be it for this day. If this doesn't it? happen, I'm going to be really mad. Like, imagine on Christmas Day if, it, if the sofa just turns up and they're like, wow, it fits really well and it's exactly what we wanted, <laughs> and it was such a bargain too. Happily and then they all after. stare at the camera like... Well, what? You thought what? we were going to... Ah, fake out. Fake. Yeah, and then and then the episode ends and Todd and Lawrence get busy on it because that's clearly going to happen as well, isn't it? Todd gave another kind of a little bit of a look at him in today's episode as well. But um, I thought this was fine. I, I I almost wish that I hadn't seen or heard that particular theory because I'm stupid and I wouldn't have guessed it and it, it would have been a nice surprise. But anyway, Sorry. I'm sure it'll be hilarious. I don't think we're going to get very many scenes of it on the on the Christmas Day episode, but we'll see. Um, no, it's going to be too busy with the wedding. Also this week we have got Summer, Summer done a runner. I can't believe this. Summer ran off, right, last week, and she's still being talked about this week. Well, only, in, only in like three scenes we got of her this week. So there's first scene is Billy and Paul at the police station um, reporting her missing, and they're like, yeah, we're going to start looking for her, but she's an adult, you know, she's a grown woman, and if we find her and she doesn't want you to know where she is, we won't tell you, we'll just tell you that she's been found. Um, and then there's a scene with Aaron and Billy in the street later and, uh, and Aaron's like, have you heard from, from Summer? And he's like, nope, but I'm, I'm tracking her glucose levels on the app, like I'm a creepy dad, and uh, at least they're good, so she's giving herself her insulin. And Aaron's like, oh, I blame myself for this tragedy. Summer, Summer did all this to put my dad I through rehab. Oh, it's so, so terrible. That's how glucose monitors work. This one does. And then at the end of the episode, they all meet up at the pub and ding, there's a text from Summer coming through on Billy's phone saying that she's okay. So they're relieved and then the storyline gets put to bed. I think she's been kidnapped by a cult. It's not unlikely that she's with Esther and Mike at the moment. I mean, for me, the clue was this this text at the end of the episode. Like, we haven't seen Summer. We didn't see her depart last week. We got no clue of her this week. I think the fact that, yeah, she, she sent this message saying, I'm okay... That's just a little bit of a clue that she's been made to do that. It was, just, but again, it's reminding me. It just feels like a rehash, possibly, of the Kelly story from earlier this year when she was holed up in that person's basement, wasn't it? And didn't they get her to ca- to text Gary and Maria and say she was all right? All right, I made like this up. I don't remember. Someone texted me, but it's not normally how she texts because she's not used any 
punctuation uh, or capital letters and she sent me that crazy eyes rolling tongue out emoji <laughs> um so anyway if it turns out that she has been kidnapped they just need to enlist gary to go and give esther and mike a good kicking and, that, and then she'll be okay but it's all right you can leave it for the time being i want a scene of her sitting on a sofa with an esther and mike standing there and she's looking at her phone and she's going oh everyone looks like they're really worried about me and then mike takes the phone off her and says don't worry don't worry about anything summer you're with us now We'll take care of you. You don't have to worry about anything ever again. And then he, he, he says, I'll, I'll text them and let them know you're okay because you're fine, aren't you? You're with us. And then Esther will say, that's right, Summer. How about a nice cup of tea? Decaf tea because you're going to be pregnant soon, aren't you? Yes, everything's fine. You just relax. You relax because you're going to carry our baby soon. Yes, everything's fine. Creepy. Christmas creepiness, maybe. I love it. I wonder whether this glucose monitor is going to be a bit of a key for something because is Billy oh, going to yeah. find out? Is it going to the devil's going like, to drop or something? He's, he's going to hold like, his phone oh, no. up and go Is she oh. going to flatline? Can she's I... over here. <laughs> <laughs> she's fallen down the sinkhole again. Oh, for God, summer. Yeah, I, I think that he's going to find out that her glucose levels are dropping, and then he's going to have to try and find her. And then yeah, and it turns out that that's where she and is. And she's in Mike and Esther's house, and they're not letting her have a biscuit. But honestly, please just leave it over. <laughs> Leave it a couple of weeks at least until you find her. Can She'll be please? fine. They're not no. that bad. No summer at Christmas. We're not Australians. <laughs> hat. Finally, Gemma. Hat, a hat, funny, Very funny good, joke. very good. Tie the knot. So basically, Tyrone's still organising this wedding. He's trying to find Evelyn because she's there with her, with James. She she had been with James, who's the, who's the, the guy that she's been... Weirdly, friend. weirdly friendly with a couple of times, but he's, she ain't there anymore. Me too. Um, I think he's trying to get her pregnant. But anyway, doesn't know whether she's going to be there for the wedding, but it turns out the wedding might not even be able to go ahead because Fizz has found herself a last-minute cancellation holiday cottage for like next week. So hooray, all the Dobstapes can go and have a lovely cottage holiday somewhere. The girls think it's amazing. Ruby gets about three you know, lines in tonight's episode. Yeah, she's, she's well up to it. Because can tell from Ruby's expression. Don't, don't go by her expression or her voice. Look at the words that she said, which Read was, hooray, that sounds like a great idea. Yes, I would like to go to the country, please, mum. But when Fizz goes out to get some chips or whatever she does, Tyrone kind of huddles the girls together and says, look, I'm actually planning a secret surprise wedding for your mum on Christmas Day. You've got to pretend that you don't want to go to the cottage after all. Okay, we can do that. So when Fizz okay, comes back, lie. Tyrone tells her that the girls have changed their minds um, and Fizz is a bit disappointed, but Tyrone says, oh, you know, maybe we can do it next year or something. And um, and so Fizz is kind of satisfied enough with that, that they're going to get the next year holiday. And um, when she goes away, Hope manages to get some, um, she managed to extort some pre-tea chocolate off of Tyrone because she's get holding his secret. And um, She knows what to do. She's blackmailing him. Yes. I was like, said to you, Tyrone's such an idiot. He's given these children ammunition, especially Hope. What is wrong with you? It's like unlocking Hannibal Lecter's cell door so you can give it a good tidy. Uh, I don't think he had much choice, to be honest. They oh, he didn't. He really should have just gone, we don't have the trip. money to go to a cottage. Can we not just stay? I'd rather stay here. Uh, oh, that would make too much sense. Also, he's such a useless sack of excrement. What's he doing? He's sitting there watching telly with the girls, right? Fizz comes in, starts cooking his dinner. 
<coughs> Why isn't he cooking the dinner, lazy arsehole? He doesn't know how. He's a man. Why is he just sitting there watching television? Get up off your bum. You're, you just you just hate Tyrone, don't you? I do, you? I hate him. You're mega not a Tyrone fan. I you hate... don't like Tyrone, don't like Daniel. <clears throat> I'm really excited for Christmas Day because I think what's going to happen is he's going to um, uh, reveal that it's um, a secret fun wedding that he's planned and then she's going to go berserk and, and beat him to death with a chopping board that she tried to kill um, Jade, Jade with. with. No, they're going to get married, I reckon. Because she's going to bring a chopping bones. board with her because I would. Well, she's probably going to bring the chopping board with her because she's he's even though he's organised a secret surprise wedding, he probably still expects her to cook the goddamn dinner as well. <laughs> that is it for this week's Coronation Street, Gemma. Your rant is over. What did you think? I quite liked it. <laughs> <laughs> We've got two episodes. We need to score it. We need a character. I thought it was alright. I was I thought nitpicking. It was fine. It's just all the fun, isn't it? It's a fun of nitpicking. You got to have a bit of a nitpick, can't you? Otherwise, I'd start talking about politics or something that actually matters. I, I thought it was fine. Um, it was like, some people I've seen who absolutely loved it and they thought that the character of Damon was the best thing since sliced bread. I am waiting to be proven on that one. But like I said, I'm glad that Jacob and Amy look like they're getting a story for early 2023. The Max stuff was hotting up a little bit, even if the execution of it didn't quite meet my expectations. And... Um, I'm, I'm glad that Daniel and Daisy are back together because I'm a bit of a sucker for that kind of thing. So I am going to give this week's Coronation Street three cheese and onion crisps in Daisy's bra out of five. Um, character of the week-wise, mm, it's a bit of a hard one, this one. There's no that necessarily stands out. What's your score while I have a think about my character of the week? I You're not allowed to think, you just need to say it. Give it three and a half, actually. Oh. Three and a half unreliable elves. Yeah. Because she's got, she's not a Chris Danabra, so how can you expect her she's to do She's not the unreliable one. The unreliable elf is the one who didn't I turn up at all. I would say that Daisy's unreliable in general. No, she's great. She switched on. Right, okay. Um, character of the week. Is it Summer? Because she didn't come in, <laughs> didn't come back for a week. Don't think we can include that. Um, I'm going to say... The deep voice doctor. I'm going to give it to, I'm going to give it to, um... I'm going to give it to maybe Spider because he, he did his confession at the end, but he was a bit useless for the rest of the week. Um, I don't want to give it to Damon early on just because he's new or, or Jacob just because I kind of like that character. Um, I'm going to say Daisy is my character of the week this week just because I kind of like her. And uh, although she may have been a little bit of a sucker for taking Daniel back, it was nice that she, um, that she showed forgiveness. And um, I thought that Charlie Jordan was um, awesome in all her scenes as well. And she made a very sexy elf. Who's your character you of the week? Can you stop describing her as the sexy elf? I didn't. Please. It was in the script. I'm just saying what. <laughs> what I'm just saying what the you other people like said. You wouldn't like it if I started going on about oh, like oh, Damon's on the scene. What a bit of tight he is. Oh, I check him out. Mind. I like a bit of rough. I know you've only got eyes for me. Well, it's because it wouldn't sound um, true because I literally. Have you noticed I haven't had a shave today? I'm looking all stubbly and rugged. Ooh. Whoa. Um, yeah, just I don't, like I just really don't, it, it doesn't, I don't have any thoughts about whether someone's handsome or not. Apart from me. No, you're lucky. <laughs> Who's I your character think. of the week? Who is your character of the week? <laughs> I don't know. <coughs> well, you must say. Um, it's Go with going your heart. to be a spider. Is it? Well, I have to say someone. I'd... Give me one reason why. 
Oh, because he's so dri- dream. <laughs> he said drippy. Because <laughs> he's so sexy and hunky. He would make a sexy elf. Yeah. He's too tall to like be that? an elf. Mm, no, but it'd be comedic. Okay. It's like elf. It's like the Will Ferrell hilarious, fantastic Christmas comedy film that everyone thinks is the best thing that's ever existed. Elf, so where he going, plays an elf who's too big. You're going with Spider for no particular reason. I'm going with Spider because um, I think he's facilitating the plot in a in, by being a bit useless. Okay. Which I think is good to get story keep keep story going because if he was if he was like actually efficient, they'd all be banged up. <laughs> Don't you think? Very good point. I mean, we wouldn't have got to have an explosive camping trip. If he was, if I was his boss, and he's going, oh, we're I'm worried about Max, and all this so much danger he's in. It's like, well, speed up then, and he wouldn't be in danger anymore, would he? Because we'd all be, they'd all be in prison. Anyway, speaking of speeding it up, I think we need to um, call this street Sorry. talk to a conclusion at this point. I think I've now, got a brain virus. We wanted this to be a fairly, fairly short podcast because it is school night after all, even though it's in the summer holidays. Um, it's not summer holidays. The Christmas holidays, sorry. I'm just thinking about we're having a holiday from summer in Coronation Street at the moment. Um, so I don't want to talk about the news uh, other oh. than to say, who is it that likes Coronation Street? Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan <laughs> likes Coronation Street, apparently. And we were discussing yesterday what's a Bob Dylan song and we couldn't name any. Uh, don't tell everybody that. I don't care if people don't know know that I don't know any Bob Dylan songs. I think I people would expect them. nothing more from me. I know all of them. All of his number ones. Anyway, but we do have a little bit of feedback, so let's just do that. So here we are with some feedback. Guess what? what? Bob Dylan's song, uh, Times Are Changing. You know that one? That was at the beginning of... Of The Watchmen. Yeah. Oh, I know that one, yes. Lovely oh, at least song. he's done a good, one good he's one. He did done one good song. We'll let him on Coronation. Yeah, Ian McLeod says that he can be on, doesn't he? He's, Ian McLeod's Ian like, oh, I've yeah. got no other ideas at the moment. Yeah, bring Bob Dylan on. That'll be good for a Bob for a Dylan could be the, um, a, a children, an author who defrauds the book club. I don't even know what Bob Dylan looks like. Look. Could he be part of Spider's gang? I, he's, he, no. Could he be the chief inspector at Weatherfield Police? He'd be Ken's friend. Okay. Um, I know that I should know more about Bob Dylan, but I just don't, so deal with it. I'm sorry, I don't know everything. Gemma, I'm going to tell everybody what the Facebook group rated last week's Coronation Street, and the answer is 3.02. Not bad, not what bad. What did we get? Five out of five again, thanks yeah. very much. Jonathan gave it three chairs that Peter left sticky in the cab office out of five, whilst Pat rated it two and a half minds and libidos of a 20-year-old, and Judith, which was my pick of the week, said that she rated it three famous people who have, or could have, rooms in their houses just for rapping. Or maybe rapping. Like Bob Dylan. Shut up about Bob, Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan's got a room in his house. Right. Moaning time over, Gemma. Here's a lovely review that I'm going to let you read... Because I want to hear a bit of positivity from you. What did this person say about us on right, iTunes? Don't shout at me. It's a good review. Um, yes. We, thank you very much. This is great. Danny Ken 30. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's really long. No, read the whole thing. I've got a sore throat. I'll read it. I don't, I don't think we should read them all. I do. Out. I want to blow my own trumpet, thank you very much. Michael and Gemma put in so much time and effort to make their listeners feel involved in the show. From hearing yeah. about their week... Because we say stuff like, I don't know who Bob Dylan is, and you guys are all going, you stupid, vacuous <laughs> morons. 
But listen, what you don't realise is that if Bob Dylan wants us to know who he is, he needs to do a duet with the Spice Girls. Or just be on Coronation Street. Yeah, be on That'd Coronation be Street. Get your profile up a bit. So from hearing about their week, <laughs> like what Pantos have been to, yep. to attending events and getting the inside scoop on all things curry. Yep. I've been an avid listener of the show for approximately three years. Oh, nice. I never try to miss an episode. No, I try to never miss an episode. <laughs> That's a bit different. I love how a little club of curry fans have united through this podcast and commune on Conversation Street's socials with having no other Corrie fans in my inner circle to chat to it's always nice to have Michael and Gemma's opinions and predictions to listen to weekly they've kept me company for many long drives working from home or when I'm doing housework do skateboards they remain upbeat about the show that's not strictly true I have to say but never mind they remain upbeat about the show and also have their fair share of honest thoughts too you're saying that we're not honest when we're being upbeat about the show oh it's so good this week (laughs) (coughs) from quizzes predictions cast interviews and character profiles this podcast has it all yeah we do enjoy Cory then you will love this podcast yeah Gemma is simply fantastic witty and thought provoking she deciphers dialogues and plots very well always showing empathy for characters even when they are not the most popular on the show I think I've just completely ruined my rep now Michael is always charming and approaches his interviews so professionally that's it about me the two of them (laughs) Or should I say the three with Abby the cat make a wonderful team, bringing us a smorgasbord of entertainment each week. I cannot thank you enough for your time and effort. And I hope this continues to gain popularity and success. You truly deserve it. Here's to another 10 years, guys. Clinking glasses emoji. P.S. I have not been sponsored to say any of the above. I just genuinely love the show. Thanks. Yay. That was a lovely review. We noticed that one on Monday night. We get a little email from Chartable on Monday nights, don't we? We just have all the reviews in. So that was lovely. It did make us cheer up when we were feeling a bit poorly. It really does uh, make me smile and I'm happy when I know that you guys enjoy it and appreciate it. It is a nice little little out of the blue when these reviews come in, isn't it? Just going to say too, if you are listening to this and um, there's another podcast or uh, maybe a YouTuber or somebody you like the tweets of just this Christmas time let them know that you appreciate them because it really makes you happy when you're a content creator and you're not really making you know it's not your full-time job you're just doing it for fun um it's nice to know that people enjoy it so let somebody else know that you're enjoying enjoying their stuff yeah yeah are we content creators and also um yeah and say tell them that they should listen to us and that you're, you're we're the reason that you're praising them and that way it's a bit of viral marketing for us as well at yeah. the same time yeah, that's the yeah. unclever I am nice what has Nancy got to say about last week's Coronation Street to Gemma she says Summer has sorry <laughs> Summer has a right to do what she I just can't say the word Summer that's <laughs> <laughs> just stuck in my throat <laughs> Summer has the right to do what she wants with her body in this instance she's been coerced the story has an interesting twist where Mike lost his temper. Aaron should have been more insistent and just said no to the whole thing. I hope Summer has taken off somewhere for a while. Why would Mike and Esther want Summer's baby? She just had a miscarriage. I do feel for Esther and Mike. How come Aaron didn't ask Kevin for his advice about his father? I do find the storyline interesting because EastEnders had a surrogacy story a couple of years ago when the woman begged her neighbours to be a surrogate and they did not want to because they did not think she was healthy enough. Mm. I loved hearing Glenda sing. It was a nice twist. Wendy met up with Martha at the bar. I thought we were just going to say it was a nice twist that Glenda actually could sing after we just heard about it all this time. I think it would be quite funny if she couldn't sing. <laughs> I, I loved how they teamed up against Ken. I loved Martha going off script. The review Mary got was great. Brian was wonderful on stage. Martha and Wendy going off to hold together was a good way to get back at Ken. <laughs> That's the only reason I get a hull. <laughs> 
I like the twist that Brian wrote. <coughs> Brian wrote the review. Brian and Mary could be good together depending on the storyline. The other thing that reminded me about Glenda with Nancy saying that this week is she was um she was a bit sweet on old Damon this week, wasn't she? So I don't know whether that's good whether she's gonna be involved in that some way. Maybe. Maybe. Continue. <coughs> I didn't say continue coughing, continue reading. I love seeing Dr. Gaddis. She was wonderful with Daisy and Daniel. I hope Daisy and Daniel can find a way back. I totally understand Daisy's point of view. Daniel should not be abandoning her when she may need him the most. I love the Jenny and Daisy scenes. I hope there's nothing wrong with Daisy. She can always talk to Sally. It's wonderful to see Beth give Sally all the presents and the bauble. I um I think am I the only body who's like really pleased that Daniel and Daisy are back together again? I don't know. But I am. Good. Uh Griff gave no. I love how Tyrone thinks he can plan a secret wedding. He can't even cook the dinner. How can he plan a secret wedding? He's That's using up all his brain power to plan the wedding. He uses up, he's his, only, he's, he uses he's up only his brain power trying to work out which foot goes in which side of his trousers. He's a bear of very small brain. Fizz will find out because Hope will know all about it. Abby was wonderful to ask Beth to help with the wedding dress. We didn't have Abby again this week, did we, after that brief um, reappearance of her last week? No. Sad. Griff gave Max a new camera. Griff has secret, a secret money source. This camping trip is to prepare for battle. I'm guessing this money source is a rich racist. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of them about, unfortunately. This must be who the police hope to arrest along with Griff. I think this storyline may get into the issues Gemma mentioned last week. People will start to question if they themselves are racist. You cannot arrest Griff and others on something big without it changing how people on the street will think and interact with each other. I do hope we see David next week. It is great that Simon got a job at Underworld. I got to see that Jacob can be a great person given the opportunity. I love seeing the look on Nick's face when Leanne mentioned that they may have to get into Sam's inheritance again. I give this week's episode three touchstone performances by Mary out of five. Character of the week is Daisy. Thank you very Thank much, you very Nancy. Thank you very much, Nancy. And I guess what? the thing about Jacob being now Damon's goon at the, the restaurant is obviously like, oh, he's back to his old tricks. He is. Jacob, he's going to have to be a criminal again. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, how... exactly, he's, he's tried to turn a corner, hasn't he? He's a different person now to how he was when he first came into I the show. I just don't but understand I how think he went. his dad's going to be making him do some dodgy stuff. How did he go from, oh I, oh, I hate you, Dad, to, yeah, I'll be your goon? I don't know, he just did, because Amy said, please do it. Rebecca has emailed us and said, first of all, Summer is an idiot. That's all and I bet say. that she's gone straight to my canasters, <laughs> despite Billy being sure that she didn't. By New Year's Day, she'll be up the duff again. Gross. I'm so glad, though, that the truth is finally out and that Billy also knows, although his threats to contact the police aren't that strong. And besides, it's got nothing to do with Billy. Well, legally anyway, it hasn't. And if Esther and Mike aren't part of something creepy, I'll be shocked. Like Gemma said, they just turn up unannounced at any moment. So here's my question, right? It's you can't. It's illegal to do the surrogacy um, arrangement. Illegal to sell your baby. No, the arrangement that they had, Mike and Esther and Summer, that they had previously, was completely illegal and wouldn't stand up anywhere. Yes. But if Mike gets Summer pregnant, and I mean that would be rape if she if she didn't want that to happen, unless they used a turkey based or whatever method they want to use. But then what happens? Because it's not a surrogacy um, thing anymore. It's literally she's yeah. carrying Mike and her child. Yeah, no, it's not surrogacy so, at all. Yeah, I know. So Apart from the fact that the, the idea would be she is carrying a baby that she does not intend to raise anymore. But I don't think that really counts. I don't think surrogacy. that really counts. No. 
But that changes the whole dynamic, doesn't it? That makes it a lot more difficult for Billy to stop it from happening. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? At the yeah, moment, yeah. Billy's got this blackmail that he can hold over their, over their head. Like, oh, well, you can't do this because it's illegal. But having a baby with the wrong guy is not illegal. Otherwise, everyone would be arrested. <laughs> um, Ken also deserves everything he got, says Rebecca, losing both women. Although I have a feeling that Wendy might come back. I don't. I think we've seen the last of her. I hope so anyway, as I've grown to like her. I love Martha calling Ken out. I completely missed Brian saying he fancied Mary, but I can see the appeal of the couple. It's just the temptation of the writers to push Mary to her limits. If they can keep both Brian and Mary on an even keel, I'll be happy. Plus, Mary would be great in the cabin. But yes, I'm glad the play is finally over with. Yeah, that's a good point. If, um, if Mary gets together with Brian, um, does that mean that she's going to have to quit a job at the flower shop? That That's a what bit I sad. thought. Did but I not say that? Maybe we did. I don't know. Poor Daisy. I'm really feeling for her, but I'm also feeling for Daniel. Daisy's right, though. If every time they have a crisis, yeah. Daniel hits the bottle, they won't get through anything. Well, they will, but it'll just be drunk. I did love Glenda asking if Daniel was Peter's brother's cousin nephew. <laughs> Speaking for the viewers there, Glenda. Also fantastic to see Dr. Gaddas again. That won't be the dress Fizz gets married in, as the first dress the viewers see won't be the one. I'm kind of glad the writers remember that Gemma and Chesney are engaged, but I really hope they don't take the limelight on Christmas Day if Fizz and Ty don't get married. Tyrone's an idiot, though. Everyone's an idiot, according to Rebecca this week. Tyrone's an she's, idiot. She's a girl. Everybody knows. Don't tell the bride. Never works. But it uh, works out okay. But I still want them to get married. Yeah, I'm right. The racism story is dragging on a bit, but the camping holiday is a good ploy to work on their evil plan, whatever that is. They didn't do any planning. No, they really didn't, did they? Well, they probably didn't plan for the um, the bomb to blow up. They were probably just about to um, get to, get to the nitty gritty of the to? details. I reckon they were off to go and look at a stately home. <laughs> I don't think we'll see the camping trip. Just Max talking about it. Wrong. You just imagine I... them going, oh, we're going to go see a stately home. Oh, no, th- that one is... Um, National Trust, we only do English heritage. <laughs> um, like Shona and Lily, <laughs> I, I, I did like that. Sit Them two sitting in their matching pyjamas. Character of the week is Daisy, and I'll give the week two and a half times. I completely missed Brian confessing he fancied Mary out of five. Um, and she agrees with me that Friday dragged a little bit last week. Um, I, don't, I can't remember whether Brian actually said that he fancied um Mary, or whether it yeah, was just a case of a, of a look. Yeah, all of us viewers, we're all seasoned in the ways of love on Coronation Street, aren't we? <coughs> yeah, we know what it means. We can tell. Mm. That's it. We've made it through another sickly podcast. I'm really sorry how annoying it is to listen to. People have been very nice and accommodating and saying thank you for recording anyway, even though we're sick. It's going to get, it's going to wear thin, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's been I mean, it's been... Now. It's been like three or four podcasts now that we've sounded ill. So hopefully the next time we'll be better again. The only way around it is just not do it at all, I'm afraid. We've got to do it. We've got got like a week now, maybe. What day is it? Yeah, about a week until we're probably going to record anything again. So if we just don't talk between now and then, we'll be okay. This is the thing. This is why I look eternally beautiful and young. And why the Ocado lady thought I was I could be under twenty five. He did, yeah. Was that this week? I don't know. That's why I don't talk during the day. For the majority of the day, I don't talk and I don't make any facial expressions. Mm. So I've got the face of a twenty five year old. Okay, good. That's why I you're supposed love to say you. I know. I know you do. <laughs> you still look eighteen to me. Right. <laughs> That's it, everybody. <laughs> 
Gemma, <laughs> we're going to go now. If people would like to email us, they may do so by sending one to conversationstreet at gmail.com. Send your get well soon and also Merry Christmas messages to Gemma. And if you are Bob Dylan, drop us a line. Use the subject header Bob Dylan so we know it's you. And just tell us why, what is you've done? What have you been up to? In yeah, your do life? you think that Bob Dylan likes Coronation Street so much that he also listens to Conversation Street? Because if that's so, I'm really sad and sorry that I'm I gonna... didn't. Uh, that he's, he just heard me saying I don't really know we who he is. We haven't even said in the news what it what it was. Literally, he did a Rolling Stone interview, which is apparently very rare for him um, to do an interview at all. And he said that he. Oh, so he's not going to come on the podcast then. That's a shame. I thought we thought he was a shoe in for my next guest, to be honest. Can you imagine I was doing a YouTube um, interview <laughs> with uh, Bob Dylan? I'm like, so I forgot what your name is again. Bob Dylan, right? So they asked him what he recently binged, and he said, Coronation Street, Father Brown, and some early Twilight Zone. I know they're old fashioned, but they make me feel at home. I'm no fan of package ship programmes or new shows. I never watch anything, anything foul-smelling or evil. Nothing disgusting. Nothing dog ass. So Bob Dylan had literally gone on record to officially say, in case anyone had any doubts, that Coronation Street is not not dog ass. And I'm going to say I agree with him. Me too. And that's the first time me and Bob Dylan have ever agreed on anything. <laughs> um. Right. And all, the thing is, what? I just want to say, right, I'm going to controversially say here, I don't know that Bob Dylan was watching current Coronation Street because he said he binged it and you cannot binge Coronation Street. Yeah, just when you think you've finished, some more come along. Exactly. And he and he also said he'd been watching old-fashioned... Um, old-fashioned... Twilight, Twilight I reckon he's got Britbox and he's been watching Ina Sharples. Maybe. That's what I think has gone on. Mm. And I think if Ian McLeod does invite him on, he'll be very shocked to find out it's, it's actually like, now filmed in colour. Yeah, I was going to say, he's looking around, he's like, what's all these colours? Where the hell are we? <laughs> where's, where's Annie Walker? Where's the mission Glad Tidings Hall thing? Don't tell me. Don't tell me what's happened. What's happened to Minnie Goldwell? Don't tell me she's dead. <laughs> um, right, I'm trying to wrap this podcast up now. It'll be a lovely Christmas gift to us if you haven't given us an iTunes review yet. If you go and give us a lovely five out of five because it's definitely worth oh, it. Oh, we've got another Amazon. Oh, we do have it. Yeah, I do. I didn't read out the Amazon reviews, but thank you. Thank um, you. Amazon it's really, reviewer. It's nice. It's very to, lovely for you to do that for it's us. It's just nice to read nice things because we do put a lot of work into this, even when we're sick. Um, we're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Um, we we are still doing our Advent guess your characters from looking at these pictures things on Twitter. Thank you everybody who's been engaging with that content. You know, um, who's good at that. Charlie Dimello. Bob Dylan. Um, we're on Facebook. We've got a lovely Facebook group. We're on YouTube. Um, what have I got to say about that? Oh, we're on 980 subscribers on YouTube. So we're getting close we need, to that thousand. We need a thousand. Subscribe to us on YouTube. You can mute us if you like. Um, and we're also on Patreon. Where Bob Dylan is a top tier subscriber. And you could be too. Yes. What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I reckon he's just Bistro, the cheapskate. Do you reckon? Not that I'm saying that I love <laughs> Bistro patrons. <laughs> Our shoot skates, but you're also not Bob Dylan either, are you? You're not Bob. We appreciate all of you. And we did release our... Um, Wall Street Journal, not the Rolling Stone. Okay. I'm sorry. We released our Patreon episode this week, didn't we, for December, where we talked about our top five scenes of 2022. That was quite fun. 
Have you forgotten it? Has it gone out of your head, even though it was like two days no, ago? No, I'm thinking about Bob Dylan. <laughs> okay. Well, while Gemma thinks about Bob Dylan and has a little Bob Dylan fantasies, I'm going to sign off here yeah. and say Merry Christmas to everybody. We'll see you the other side. Hope you have lots of lovely Christmas could... times. I'm talking. He could do He could do an alternative version of our, of our, of our theme music. He could record oh, yeah, it. And, and that sounds good. Sonia Matthews um, wrote a very nice birthday version for the lyrics and you've done a Halloween one Right, goodbye everybody. <laughs> the music for this episode oh. came from podcastthemes.com and the coffin came from Gemma. Goodbye! And not George. Hey hey, we're the monkeys. <coughs> What's another song they did? Then I saw her face. Now I'm oh, yeah. a believer. Not a trace. A dad of my mind. I'm in love. Mm. I'm a believer. I couldn't leave her if I tried. <laughs> Do you want anything from the shopping? No, we have enough food in the house. Only, we don't. We need drink. the turkey. Oh, yes. I thought love was only true in fairy tales. I'm recording well, you, by the way. I know. Man, for some, I'm, I'm letting this run because I think uh, people need to discover my talents. Put it on as a blooper if you want at the end. Just let me know. Me. <laughs> Love was out to get me. That's the way it seemed. Disappointment, heartache, all my dreams. Then I saw her face. Now I believe Not a trace. I died in my... See, the trouble with, in the old days, they used to fade out with songs. You can't ever stop them. No. Should we, should we yeah. record the next bit?